tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you to make a call. And Emma is looking after the programme today. You can text in WhatsApp, 083-311-3311. You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. That's a cold one out there. There's certainly a lot of frost around. So if you are driving, um, I would urge you to be very, very careful indeed because I'm seeing a lot of crazy stuff up, up around Dundrum this morning. Some of the driving, I mean, really? Um, because we're hearing about black ice and all sorts of situations out there. So look, be careful, won't you? We'll have a look at uh, what's making headlines today. The Irish Independent, uh, their lead story, home insurance costs are rising at up to twice the general rate of inflation. Home insurance was up by uh, 9.1% in the year. That's almost twice the general level of inflation, which was 4.6%, I think, wasn't it, in the year two. Uh, December. Um, also on the uh, front of the Indo today there's a, a large picture of um, uh, Dermot Bannon, the architect from Room to Improve and there's a story there in fact about um, the home in Tipperary that was on the um, uh, Room to Improve programme um, and seemingly there, there was an issue with planning permission and uh, the Irish Independent uh, telling us they can reveal how a decision on permission for the upstairs room and window of the house uh, facing the lovely Rock of Cashel was made just uh, 72 hours before the show uh, aired. So that's making a story in the Indo today. Let's have a look at the Examiner and their main story around the renaming of Park Equive. Of course, that proposal to rename uh, the park uh, has been paused for further talks after a public backlash uh, over plans to rebrand it as Super Value Park. And uh, there was a huge outcry over that uh, yesterday. Also reading on the uh, examiner today that the prison system is uh, battling a worsening overcrowding problem with the number of people in jail uh, uh, near its highest levels ever. And uh, let's have a look at the Irish Times. And uh, the main story there uh, is that uh, the 10 areas in Ireland under the most pressure due to the arrival of refugees and asylum seekers will be provided with a special package of supports that could see extra resources given for health, education and for policing as well. And finally, a look at the Daily Mail and an interesting story here. Um, The government fears a revolt by county councils over the country's uh, immigration policy could become contagious ahead of the forthcoming local elections. Now, in light of that, uh, Mayo County Council has passed a motion yesterday calling on its staff to cease working with uh, Minister Roderick O'Gorman's Department of Integration until an agreed strategy is put in place on housing refugees. And we'll be talking about that a little later on in the programme as well. So if you want to make comment on any of those headlines, uh, 0833 
uh, Deputy Jackie Gall and uh, Councillor Michael Smith of Fianna Fáil uh, met with uh, Minister Roderick O'Gorman yesterday afternoon in Leinster House to discuss the recent decision to accommodate 160 international protection applicants in Racket Hall in Ross Gray. And Councillor Michael Smith raised concerns about uh, the impact this move will have on services and infrastructure in the town and he joins me now. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Prime. Good to talk to you today. That meeting with uh, Roderick O'Gorman yesterday, can you tell us about that? Yeah, and if I could first, friend, because I, I did speak to Donald, the reporter, on Friday following our uh, county council meeting. Yes. Um, but, you know, like everybody, last Thursday was a huge shock for the town of Roscray, huge disappointment. And, and all our thoughts were with the staff and are with the staff because it's it's an unknown time for them, uncertain time. And the following day um, at our council meeting, I, I made a number of proposals. And the first was that the, the county council forum would meet the earliest opportunity, and that happened uh, on Monday, um, to look at the different agencies across the town and the impact that the international production applicants coming in and trying to work together. The second was, and, and this has come from the chamber now as well in the last number of days, was to make contact with the owners of the Racket Hall um, because we need to get a meeting with them um, to find out what is their, their long-term plan for the property. Um, we know now that they have engaged with the department and it's for 12 months. But what's going to happen after the 12 months? We need to, you know, we need to seek that clarity from then. But you're right, totally. I, I look for a meeting with Minister Roger Gorman, um, and that, that happened yesterday. And I raised a number of questions, as did uh, Deputy Jackie Cahill, about the real genuine concerns um, that the people of Ross Gray had. And I suppose we spoke about the, the different resettlement programs that ha- had already come into Ross Gray, and I'm talking about the Ukrainian settlement program in the convent site, um, Sean Ross Corville House, um, the impact that this is having on all our services across, you know, schools, primary schools, preschools, the GP services. And he, he gave a commitment that across all the different departments and with the community forum that I think there is going to be some announcement of that. And I, we, we did press hard on that. But there was another part that I, that I stressed upon him as well because... Um, there's a huge need in Ross Gray, friend, for a family resource centre. And this was published in September 2022. And I suppose with COVID, um, it, 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 it wasn't, it wasn't um, brought forward. But I think it needs to be highlighted to the Minister because that is his, his, his role. And it's, it is in relation to families, a support centre similar to Sivarch and Nina, uh, in relation to, to health issues, drug um, misuse, uh, um, transport. Um, so that's something that, that I brought forward to him. And, and, and in fairness to him, he did say that is something that he would look at in, 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 with, the, with the budget coming up. So that is something that was key, that I think got neglected and I think would, 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 would seriously help um, in relation to the lack of services that people have mentioned. Um, but Fran, I, I brought forward another proposal, um, and that was that the state uh, would purchase the former hotel uh, grants in Castle Street. Um, when the announcement was made last Thursday um, that the racket hall was about to close and the huge loss of an, an active hotel in, in our town, you know, this, this, this was so huge that we needed to look at alternatives, we needed to move fast, and we needed to be ambitious. Um, so over the last number of days, I've had a series of meetings, and that's what's taken up most of my time, 
um, because I'm trying to look at, at, at solutions here as a public representative. So I met with Council Officials and Planning, with the Chief Executive, uh, with Leader Company, to bring forward this proposal. So we brought it forward to the Minister uh, at the meeting yesterday, and confirmation has come back. We, we, we explained about the model that, that's already there and how it is something that is written in a proposal in the town centre first. I don't know if you're aware, but Ross Gray was designated town centre first. Mm -hmm. So this, to me, can can be a catalyst for further investment. And we, we, we got confirmation that, the, in principle, Roger Gorman, the teacher's office, I believe now it was involved, and Tornishta, that they're, they're going to look to funding um, of the former Grand Hotel for the okay. people, well, for will, the people of Roscoe. Right. Will you, will you tell me about that? Because you're talking about some sort of a community hotel. Explain that to me, Michael. Well, Fran, just to go back to, to the town centre first, because we were designated in February 2022 town centre uh, first status. And with that, for the last 12 to 14 months, we have been actively uh, engaging with the public, uh, holding public meetings, and finding out What's central core and what's, what's so important about this is, is how it tackles vacancy and combats uh, dereliction mm. within, within our town. So the, the, the need for a hotel in the centre of the town was so important that the people even asked me during that process, was it possible that the county council would purchase the hotel? Now, I don't think it has happened before that a council would, would purchase it. But I brought it forward yesterday mm. because it was mentioned within our report. It's actually stated okay. one of our key... We have 10 key proposals. OK, but can we just stick with that one for the moment? Will you just explain yeah. to me how a community hotel would work, Michael, because I don't understand it. OK, well, there's a number of things. The first stage in this was, was a commitment from the government that they would purchase the building on behalf of the town of Rossgrave. So we then have to go and look as two possible funding streams for the renovation, for the redevelopment of the hotel. The two funding streams that are available to us as a town centre committee is the Town and Village Renewal Fund and the Rural Development Fund. We also are going to seek a minister meeting with Minister Humphreys and Minister Peter Burke because in relation to local planning and community development. And as a town centre, I'm a member of the town centre, and because mm. the people of Ross Gray look for this site to be redeveloped, we also have a further application gone in uh, for Castle Street. So that entire area is now going to be looked at for further development. But key to that is the commitment that the government is now going to purchase it. It allows the Town Centre Forest Forum right. to move on, to look at the community. And this this is, has been welcomed by communities, by businesses. Okay. And I thought, you know, it's now, unique. Is, is that a commitment or is that in principle? or why, I, I, Like, semantics over the last few days is driving me nuts. Is, is this... Well, in, for, 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 no, in, in fairness, since this broke last Thursday, there's been a huge amount of work to make and to get this happen. And we have given... We've got a right. statement that the government parties are agreeing in principle to come forward with the mechanism for funding for this project. And that's right. coming from Minister and, Rogers. And Gordon. again, I still don't understand. A community hotel, does that work like a normal hotel where I can check in for X amount of nights? And what 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 does that mean? Well, the stated within our, within our plan is, is to, re to, to redevelop the vacant property inside in Castle Street. Right. The conversion of that uh, into a community space, which would include 24 bedrooms. Now, this has been vacant in 2023. So as part of that, it's a similar model in the Schliebeg Hotel 
in Monaghan that it is owned by the community, that's delivered by the community, and there also can be funding brought forward right. through the leader programme that can, can so fund is, this. Is, the is this similar? Already, is this sim- yes, I beg, I beg your pardon, Michael. Is this similar to, like, community shops in Lockmore and Dana Carty yes, and stuff? Is yes, that? but it's, it's much more enhanced than that, uh, Fran, because yes. what you're able to do is you're, you're able to get funding through central government, through different uh, funding streams, and you can deliver this on the ground. But the people of Ross Grey would own the hotel. It would be their hotel. It was something that we all look for in the centre of our hotel, what we want to make happen. Because that is central to all of this. And it's a central core right. of the town centre force policy to tackle vacancy, to look at, at dereliction. Okay. And that will breed new life into this. I accept, Fran, this is unique. We're in a situation, Fran, that on Monday evening, both national and international media um, have tainted what happened in our town. And, like, we have to respond quickly. We have to show mm. that the images that, that we're seeing are not going to be remembered. But, but Mike, Michael, that was that not all driven by a situation where even people like yourself, community representatives, did not know that this was going to happen? And ahead of time, you there, there was no time to put in place rebuttals to be able to say to people, look, okay, this is happening in Racket Hall, but here's what we're doing to balance this in some way and to make sure that communities are still out there uh, and will be able to, uh, you know, have their communion parties and their entertainment and and all of that and be able to bring home their visitors and have somewhere yeah, to Yeah, and I accept that. And this proposal, friend, if you give it So was it was it done incorrectly, no, Michael? Was the no, whole no, thing friend, done so, incorrectly? Sorry, friendly, friendly. No, if, if I could please. This, this proposal that went to government that has been accepted... Yes. Um, is going to give that back to the town. Right. Well, That's what we're trying to do. That's wh- what the when, people look for. When, roughly, the, Michael? In when? the town centre first. Right. Just to get to what you... No, friend, because you meant to say, just, just in relation to what happened on Monday, because Monday, Monday was a dark day for us, Gray, a day, you know, that we remembered for all the wrong reasons. Um, and it, 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 it's a day that the, the, the majority of people who I know, who, who I care for in the town, um, you know, the experience that... Everybody that you meet in Osprey Stand is caring, they're kind, they're considerate. They always offer the hand of friendship. But it's a pity um, that I think this could have been advised. Um, you know, the decision was made by a private owner for commercial reasons to enter this agreement. I had no hand actor part in that. Mm. I wasn't going to pretend or try to... Uh, did, did, you have any, I, did you have any... Uh, indication that this might have been the case? Was there any whisperings, any gossip none, about this? None, the first, friend, friend, the first that I heard of this right. was last Thursday when I received an email. Okay. I had no hand right. after part in it, but I right. wasn't going to, friend, in fairness, someone make this point. I wasn't either going to pretend or try to hoodwink the public to think that I could change that decision. I knew I couldn't. Hmm. Now, uh, but, but now, friend, we have the worst of all worlds. We have our town presented as I said, in national and international media, as uh, you know, looking at scuffles mm. with Gardaí, mm. um, you know, terrorising women and children, refugees. Like, I don't blame uh, ordinary individual people who stood up um, in our town, who was, you know, who was caring, who was worried about our hotel. And I spoke to so many of them. But there's some national politicians um, who led them down a, a cul-de-sac, in my mind. And on Monday... Friend, and I call this on your show. Mm. There was a there was, there was a, a TD who we haven't seen in the town for over four years. Mm. Um, You're talking about Matty McGrath. He came into our town, and the information that was given out was in, was that 
the refugees, the same things, were coming in for 12 o'clock. And in my mind, friends, that was a war cause. It created an absolute frenzy on social media with misinformation, scaremongering. I got phone calls. And, and that was towards the real genuine people in our town. Well, I'm sure he and, would and disagree and profoundly no, with you that, about, you're, especially you're, you're about language like... Oh. But I think this, this, this has led right. to images that will unfortunately will never be forgotten and is it a scar in our town. And what I'm trying to do as a public representative is right. trying to rebuild that. Okay. And that's why can, can I ask you a couple of questions that's emerging here on, on my screens yeah. in front of me then, if, if yeah. you would answer them, Michael. Do you think it was handled really, really badly by the government and particularly by uh, the minister's uh, department? As a public representative, I understand the challenges that they face, but yeah. I, I do think... Was it handled getting, really getting, badly, Michael? Getting, friends, can I answer the question, please? Getting a phone call or getting a, an email at three o'clock of a Thursday to be told that this was happening. I think that's that's very bad poor relations. Just to explain to you that in relation to the Syrian refugees that came to Turtle, mm. we would have got information of that maybe maybe up to seven weeks beforehand. So th- there was a transition. But I, I would have to accept and I think government should accept that, that mm. we all accept that the, that that communication was very right. poor in this regard. The, the other issue then how the Gardaí handled it. Well friend when you have people that were on social media asking which happened, and I've just outlined that to you, the Gardaí were actively there trying to protect women and children coming into the hotel. And Fran, could I just say to you, you know, in 10 years' time, if you're going to be looking at really in the years, is that the image that we want to see of our town? It's not the image that I want to see. No, no it's not. It's but, not the, but, the image. But, but do you, do you friend, agree? Do you either, agree, Michael? Do you agree that friend, if... if, if, if no, no, no just, just one, one so Michael, I've given you lots of time for you to put your case forward and I'm delighted to give you that opportunity to do so. But can I make a point to you? Do you not think that if a leader such as yourself presented themselves at Racket Hall on Monday and said to the people, look, the, the, the people in this blacked-out bus are women and children, and they will now be getting off the bus. Would that not have diffused the whole situation? Well, friend, in the last four days, I have been working very actively in relation to trying to rebuild relations for our town. Right. That's would you I'm just answer my? Would you just answer my point, Michael? Well, no, well, well friend, uh, the situation I had already stated that I was not going to partake. In something that I could not change, I had no hand right. act or part. But I'm just saying, you, you, you're, you're the one talking about little kids game. being terrorised no, and the like. To, and and the idea the there was that if if ordinary people who were there, decent people who were there protesting, if they knew it was women and children getting off that bus, I think the whole scenario would have been different. Well, friend, I wasn't out there, but I received a huge amount of calls that said to me that they had seen it on social media that it was equipped up support to get out there as fast right. as they can. Do you take and my point, Do you take my but, point? But that was genuine. I, I absolutely take your point, but that's, that's genuine people that were asked to, to go out. And that, to me, led to a very dangerous and volatile situation right. outside but, there. But there but was, there was no to, volatile you, situation. But, on, but, 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 but you spoke there about leadership. Yes. I'm bringing forward leadership. I went yesterday with a very courageous and ambitious plan for Ross Gray. But I did so on the basis of what the people looked for over the last 12 months. And over the last 12 months, it was continuously said to me, can we not have the hotel back? We now have a situation that there's a commitment from government to address that. Yes, it is unique. 
Yes, we have to work with, with different agencies mm. to get more funding into it. But, Fran, I'm going to work to make that happen. And that is my job. Yeah. And that's the leadership you, that I have me, to show. Well, OK, give me a timeline where the hotel is concerned, then. Can you just give me a rough timeline on that? Well, well, well Fran, considering in the last four days and the amount of meetings that, are, that I've held, I'll certainly come back to you with that time frame. But I don't have it because we've got the commitment now. Mm. I now have to go and have a series in, of in other In principle, meetings. in principle, Michael, is that is that what the wording of this commitment is, in principle? Well, Fran, if, if you have the Taoiseach's department, the Tarnish department, and the Minister for Integration, Roger Gorman, um, mm. coming together with, with a giant statement, um, I think I can take that as a commitment. Mm. And I will be holding the government's commitment on that. Yeah, well, I, I heard Minister Thomas Byrne uh, on primetime last night saying that, you, you know, in these places where there are refugees, that, uh, you know, there's resources put into education and helps and all of this. Look at the sound bites from the people, ordinary, decent people in Ross Gray saying, we, we don't have this. We have to wait huge amount of time for our GP. A dentist was on with, uh, with and, Ali and, yesterday. And, they, uh, you, you know, these are people with genuine, just, just basic concerns. Absolutely. And, and, and I am listening, Fran, but also, and I said this to the Minister yesterday, last year, under the Community Recognition Fund, there was just short of a million euro that was allocated to Tipperary. And I was very disappointed with a lot of the sporting community groups that they didn't get to, you know, Ross Gray has played its part. It's now been asked to play a very significant part. And I wanted a commitment to him that, that in that fund, when it's going to be announced, I believe, in the next number of weeks, that Ross Gray gets that acknowledgement. But I'm, I, I'm not going mm. to defend services. The, the, the minister has to, and mm. each different ministry has to work to ensure that all the services in relation to health education are brought forward. But I do hope that, that in relation to the Family Resource Centre, that that's something that can be lasting within our right. town. Can, can you guarantee us that more guards will be put into the town, for example? I can guarantee you that it was raised yesterday, but that's the Department of Justice. And I'd love to see more, more guards in Temple Moor, in Bursley, all across Tipperary. But I'm Fran, I'm a public representative that brings up these issues, that tries to get solutions. Mm. But, like, asking me, am I giving guarantees? Well, I think it's the Minister for, for Justice that we need to get on. But I'm starting to work with others to ensure that we do get more guardies within our town. Yeah, again, I'm looking at the screen in front of me, Michael, and with the greatest respect, and I have a lot of respect for you and your family, you're not convincing people that I can see here, you know. Well, well, Fran... I've said to you, I've outlined my position. Yeah. Um, okay. I did not go out on the protest on principle. Um, you know, these are people who suffer trauma and are seeking shelter. Um, and we need to learn from the past and, and the mistakes. And from the messages that I've received in relation to on Monday, I'm a person that wants to try and rebuild our town now mm. because I don't want to see the images that I saw. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's catastrophic for our town friend, to be honest, because right across from that site, we're, look, we're, we're looking to try and attract foreign direct investment. And I don't want people to be talking about Ross Gray in this light. I want to talk about the future that we have. And we have a unique opportunity here now that it looks like the government are going to run with us and, and, and work with the Town Centre First Committee. And that's something that I'll be trying to do. Um, but I respect everybody's opinion. All right, Michael, we appreciate your time today and thanks very much for coming on with me, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning to you. That's uh, Councillor Michael Smith speaking to us uh, this morning. Uh, 083 311 3311. 
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Now, uh, Lucky Kambula is a South African former asylum seeker and activist in Ireland, a co-founder of the movement of asylum seekers in Ireland, and uh, he joins me now. Lucky, good morning to you. Good morning, good morning to you. Uh, it's good to talk to you again, and thank you so much for coming on with us uh, today. Um, I presume you've been following what's happening in uh, Tipperary, uh, Lucky, particularly in, in Ras Grey. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Oh, gosh, uh... It's it's just shameful what what we see happening there. It's just a, a wrong reflection of what Ireland is about, and uh, it's it's also just disregard of people that are in need, and people that are already traumatized, children and women that are apart physically from uh, from a safe place, and uh, it, it's really it's really shocking to our to our people. And I'm speaking to the people that are already there in in uh, in temporary that uh, have been established there. They are un- even unable to, 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 to mix up with, with, uh, with the fellow people that are in that standard because everyone is, is just scared to be around. So it's the fear-mongering that has been uh, brewing uh, throughout the country for the past 12, 13 months now. And uh, what is also shocking is the fact that it's not only the locals that are, are, are rejecting the people. It's mix of the people that are coming from other parts of of of, of, of the country uh, to further perpetrate this hate uh, uh, mm. and and, and uh, not love of, of people that are new and uh, seeking protection in this country. So it, it's it's just a shame. It's uh, it's something that we we, we we don't want to see in in Ireland, and it it, it it keeps on going and going and going, and it's scary. To, to the people that yes. are affected, really. And, Lucky, can you understand that there are some people in communities like Ross Gray who would have a genuine concern where resources for the town are concerned, for example? The, oh, yes. Yes, you, yes. you, you can understand yes. that, can't you? Yes, yes. understand that fully. I understand that fully. In yeah. every place there is a, a complaint in terms of the services. But that should be and ongoing, uh, the responsibility of those services lie with the, those that have been elected by the communities to represent them in, in, in decision-making uh, uh, agencies like the government, there are TDs and there's councillors. All those issues need to be continuously addressed by the community in the way that they've elected those, uh, those uh, 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 officials. And... Uh, fully understand really uh, where they are coming from but i think it's a wrong way in terms of channeling it to the 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 asylum seekers to the international protection applicants who have got no control of those lack of of, of services you uh, you were very critical of the government in terms of how and these are your words how they're dealing with the so-called far right yeah. Um, uh, w- will you tell tell our listeners a bit about that, Lucky, and how you feel about that? Okay. So, yes, I was saying that throughout this, this 12 months, there has been a lack of, of, of strong hand from the government in terms of taking control when things have gone wrong, uh, when, when, uh, when, 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 when people have been protesting outside the centres, 
when people's tents have been banned, no one, no one has been arrested by the, by the by the government for doing so. And what I can also commend is the visibility of the of of the of the of the Garda in 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 terms of securing uh, the safety of the people. Uh, and, and safely uh, securing them in the hotel and their visibility at the moment. It's the first time we have seen that in in, in, uh, in Rostri, and uh, uh, it, it's encouraging to see that. It just give us that that hope that yeah we have cover. So and are, are you are you saying to me that what you saw with the guardian Ross Gray is encouraging? Yes. 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 Well, yeah. Yes. Exactly. Because, because many many of us here are absolutely shocked at that because we would rarely, if ever, see um, Gardi take that particular strategy in terms of how they would deal with protest. Yeah. Well, the thing is, there is a, 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 a bigger picture in terms of what is happening in Ireland at the moment, with the far right taking control of things. And they have been going on online mm. to threaten to ban that place. There have been those online. So Garda... To, uh, the fact that they did not take those threats lightly, because we have seen what has happened in Dublin. We have seen what the far right are capable of doing. And we know that the, there is a hand of the far right there. So when they, 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 they come visibly in that way, it, it, it gives us that hope that we cannot see what we've seen in Dublin in November somewhere else. So that is what, yeah. that is what, uh, because the guard cannot continue doing the things the soft way when the aggression is coming from, from, from the far right. And we have seen it. So we, I, we, I would put it to you, though, that the ordinary people of Ross Grey who were protesting and largely protesting about services and protesting about lack of hotel as opposed to protesting about uh, ordinary people who might need solace in this country. But... They did not want and, in fact, actively discouraged members of the so-called far right from their protest and made sure they knew that and, in fact, were, were basically given the door out of the place. So these these are largely ordinary people that were being policed looking, you know? Well, uh, we, we from from where we stand and from, and from the affected people's side of, uh, point of view, uh, the... the, the, the People need to have a, a place. There are, are over 500 people at the moment that are not being housed by the, the, the government and, and, and sleeping in the streets in this cold weather. So whenever there is an attempt by the government to secure a place where people can stay and, uh, and that place is, 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 is refused, it means there's more people that government, which they are obligated to house, will be on the streets from December up to now. There are people that the government are not able to house. Mm. And that is as a result of what the, 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 the protesters uh, 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 channeled by the far right stop the buildings from being opened. Even if it's for a temporal uh, uh, basis, services, fine. I understand the lack of services, but that must be directed correctly. But there are people that can die on the streets. People cannot. There's somebody that was phoning me yesterday that he is even bleeding. He has been trying to get to the office of the IPO to say, I need a doctor, and he's in the street. 
Yes. So that is the reality. That and and I take that on board, and that's extremely unfortunate. And I have to point out to you as well that you know there's fourteen thousand uh, Irish people who are homeless. Four thousand of them are children. Only last week, an Irish man died on the streets in in, in Dublin, yeah. and I forget what the number for last year, but it's certainly extremely yeah. worrying in, indeed. So this is happening, okay. but this is happening to Irish people as yeah. well. It does not to be happening. It does for for any human being. There's no human being that is supposed to to suffer in that way. That is supposed to be sleeping rough. That is supposed to be sleeping. It's icy out there. No one doesn't matter who where they come from. No one. There must be a way to address those things. There must be a way to 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 deal with the homelessness and the housing in this country. And no one must 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 suffer in that way. You and, I, you, you and I have spoken in the in the past, Lucky, and yeah. you were making the point to me about almost a two-tier situation where refugees and asylum seekers are concerned because uh, by comparison to what asylum seekers were being paid, for instance, when they come into this country, and then you had Ukrainian people who were coming in here, they were embraced fully and they were given uh, the social welfare amount of, uh, of money. Um, do, you, do you still have an issue with that? Well... There has, I mean, as we all know, when 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 that Ukraine crisis came, there was a difference in terms of approach. That was where we were coming from. Because when you came from Ukraine, you'll get your 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 full doll money. You'll get your right to work. You've got education. You can do everything. Whereas when you are coming from any other country, you don't you don't have that. You have six months to wait to get to your work, and you get your PPS not being processed on time. And even the weekly allowance was was not given on time for the people that are seeking protection from other countries. So that is why we were saying at that time there was that clear two-tier system. Okay. So obviously by now uh, there has been a change in terms of 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 of, uh, of, of what is what is happening, uh, and uh, and, the, and the, the government. I, I was I was in December. There was an announcement in terms of. Uh, uh, the support or the, the, the withdrawal of the support that they've been uh, giving to to the Ukrainian uh, refugees, mm. uh, and also now the people that are coming and from uh, is a faster process now by the IPO in terms of the uh, TRC cards, in terms of the PPS, in terms of that weekly allowance, and they've added, which is not enough. They've added uh, some stipend for a person that is not accommodated by the IPO at, 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 at first uh, entrance in the country uh, just to help them to, 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 to survive. But it's not enough, 75 euro on top of the, of the 38 euro. So uh, uh, we can see the, 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 the will to, 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 to help, uh, but it's not enough if a person is not accommodated. And that is the key, that people are not accommodated, whether they are uh, asylum seekers or, or ordinary uh, Irish citizens who don't have a place to stay. That needs to be critically uh, be on the top of the agenda by those that are in power uh, in the government to make sure that no one... I mean, it's, since I've been here 11 years in this country, the housing issue has been in crisis from day one I was here up to now. All right, Lucky, thank you for your time this morning and uh, good to talk to you. That's Lucky Kambula there, South African, uh, former asylum seeker and activist in Ireland and co-founder of uh, the movement of Asylum Seekers. 
Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie telling you that the front of the Irish Daily Mail today on the front page, the government fears a revolt by county councils over the country's immigration policy uh, could become contagious ahead of forthcoming elections and uh, with that, Mayo County Council passed a motion yesterday calling on its staff to cease working with Minister Rodrigo Gorman's Department of Integration until an agreed strategy is put in place on housing uh, refugees. Now I saw on social media, Councillor Shamie Morris um, was going to put forward uh, the idea that maybe it's something we should emulate here in uh, Tipperary, and he joins me now. Shamey, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. Um, I, I hope I am um, correct in saying that. Is that something you would like us to look at here? Uh, t- yes, it, it, it could be. Um, look, I, I think we have to... With, there, doesn't, there doesn't seem to be any plan out there by the government uh, with, yeah. with what's happening with um, moving refugees around the country. Um, nobody, nobody would have imagined that Ross Gray, after taking you know six hundred, six hundred um, refugees into the town, would have been targeted for another hundred and sixty. And bear in mind, there's also refugees being brought into the centre of Ross Gray, as well, bit by bit. So nobody would have thought there would be eight hundred refugees in Ross Gray, a population of six hundred six thousand people. Uh, a town that has just passed a, um, a local development plan based on population trends. Nobody would have thought that, that out, out of desperation, that um, the, the only viable hotel in, in the place would be taken out of the equation. So I think we, we as councillors need, need to, to act as well. And something that I had done, um, Fran, previously, and I had a, a motion put in already uh, to the opposite of what Mayo have done, which is that the, the, the department... Um, when they're moving an iPad, should contact the local council planners to see our services in place before they even consider taking a building. That hasn't happened up to now. And that's, that's something that I had put there and it was passed unanimously. I've also um, said recently, Fran, that what's the point of us doing, a, doing our development plan? I mean, every, uh, every area will, be na- will have been asked to de-zone um, land zone for housing. Uh, based on the population trends that the government have, have allowed us to have. And that's what they've, they've done. They've allowed us to have a certain population uh, up to up to the next development plan, up to the end of this development plan. And we've been asked to Nina, um, they were asked to care. We've been asked to de-zone land that, is, that was zoned, zoned for housing based on population trends. And yes, the department don't seem to have any, are working off no plan whatsoever. And so at the end of the day, if 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 they don't come back to us on, on the motion that, that uh, we have sent in, and we have written to the department, we've written to the Taoiseach, we've written to all the departments, I think it is time to cut off any contact with them. Um, but but even to do that, I'm not sure if that's worth anything because basically, from what I can see, anyway, Jamie, correct me if I'm wrong. If a hotelier is willing to give up the premises to the Roderick O'Gorman's department, that's that's a commercial arrangement with the department, and the councils don't play any part in it. I, I agree with you. I, look, it, it is it's only it, it, it is semantics. Look, it's something I said on social media. It's picked up by by. Um, by a newspaper and and, a, and an yeah. article printed on it without talking to me about it because actually I much prefer uh, if we got a, a response to the motion that I, that I have put forward that they actually contact the council before making any decisions. Look, the situation here is that Roger Gorman's department 
are, are pushing people out of Dublin because they have made an absolute mess of migration themselves. They've made a complete and utter mess of it. Uh, there's more and more people coming in coming into Ireland based on the fact that we have become the easiest um, uh, country in Europe to, 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 to make a living off of, and that's what's happening. We have refugees coming in from places like Georgia and Algeria, places that have no war going on, uh, massive amounts of them. We have... Um, um, issued uh, 2,700 deportation orders since what, 2019 and have only deported 600 people and, and 300 of those were, were what you call self-deportation. Yeah. So in other words, you tell a, a person that has failed the, the asylum process, um, uh, look, you failed, can you self-deport yourself? I mean, what sort of a country are we? And that's, and that's why we have so many people coming in. And, and also we have, in the last uh, number of years, we've had 8,000 people come to Dublin Airport without any, any passports or any documentation, they should have been turned straight around. But because we're taking them in, and, somebody's been, and, and, and the other thing, and I know that Matty got a bit of a hammer there this morning uh, by Michael Smith, but Matty is right, the NGOs are running the country. I mean, there was a, an example of um, um, a, a, an asylum seeker from Afghanistan being, um, not, not being given accommodation when he came to Ireland, and the NGOs took that to court and forced, forced the state to house him. Now the the current situation where where the government are are trying to change tack and, and based on, on Ukrainian refugees and you know the fact that um, they've lowered the the amount of money mm. that they can get per week and the fact that they have to find their own accommodation after, after ninety, 90 days. days yeah yeah and NGO will take that to court and the Irish government will be will be forced to reverse that and and that's what's wrong the NGOs so that that um, won't be effective in any way as well as what it, can, it, can, it won't be effective if if one yeah. Afghan if one refugee from from Afghanistan. Can, can go to court and win his case. I, ca- I can't see... I mean, first of all, where are the Ukrainians going to get housing? Uh, and, and the massive... And by the way, the, the, the amount of people coming here, Fran, have, has to slow down. Well, it so, hasn't, so, uh, there, there's something that Minister McEntee said, for example, that I can't believe hasn't made headlines everywhere. She said that 76% of people who migrated to Ireland last year did not register their asylum applications at a port or airport. I'm watching government ministers and people on TV shows uh, over the last couple of weeks, and they have become increasingly desperate. I mean, they're keep putting in about this international obligation. I, 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 last night was was the best of them all, where we had a, a government minister talking about you know Thomas Bourne, hotels. was it? Thomas Bourne, he was yeah. absolutely. I thought it was one of the worst. It was car crash TV, to be honest with you. Yeah. They're so desperate at the moment that they, that they're coming up with they're coming up with plans on the hoof, and yeah. and. You know, Michael Smith is one of the most astute politicians that I know. He's a yeah. very, very good um, county councillor. And he's, he's now hanging his political career in the fact that um, Roger Gorman and his department have, have agreed uh, to put money forward to buy a hotel um, that has been idle. Well, that's on my uh, list to ask you. What, what do you make of that? Look, as I said, I, I know Michael is one of the most astute politicians that I know, and I felt that he should have been down uh, with the people who are standing with the people of Australia rather than going up and 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 trying to cooperate well, a deal. He, that he was, couldn't that, because his party policy would, would be different to that, and he'd be seen to be breaking ranks. And, and you saw yourself that Sinn Féin's Matt, Matt Carty has come out now and said that no party member should attend public protests and the like, you know. You know, they're dictates, Ron. I mean, at the end of the day, you can either decide to stand with your people or stand with your party. And the the fact that now we have a situation where where the government has said that they're going to buy a hotel in the middle of Ross Gray. First of all, the owners of the hotel are after doubling their price straight away because they know now that the, that the, the, the department has said we're going to buy the place. 
And secondly, I, I don't know how this could work. I mean, look, I'd love it to work. I mean, Grant's is a, a very good location. Mm. Michael has spoken very well there about the town centre um, um, team and the town, you know, what, they've, what they have put together to try and avoid a, a dereliction in Australia. That's great. But, I mean, we have a government that's working off, off the whole fear, friend. Because at the end of the day, mm. if, the depart- if the government had done what, what everybody wants them to do, which is to cu- communicate, with local councils and local people, rather than what happened the other night in Australia, <clears throat> and I'm sure the people in Australia themselves, even the people, the people, sorry, more importantly, the people in the protest are disappointed the way things turned out, turned out the other day. But it doesn't mean that they weren't wrong to be protesting in the first place, man. But but again, my point about that was, and we have to be fair to these d- decent people who 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 have issues. If they were told, I I really believe this in my heart. If they were told that the people on the bus were women and children. It would have diffused the situation. If Roger Gagarin wanted to come up with a plan on how to make the people, the protesters, look bad, uh, it would have been a perfect plan, Brian. Because at the end of the day, I I saw I, I was following really what was going on, and um, the Gardaí came uh, with, with you know and and stood on, on either side. The bus was parked outside on the road, um, as. I heard listened to, I heard people yesterday, you know, a woman in particular, I think she had her children with her. She said, had they, had they known what, what was getting out of the bus, there wouldn't, wouldn't have been the reaction. And also, the people on the bus were moved at the time when people were, were reacting to the, to the fact that the Gardaí had, had, had come in and, um, and you know, performed and, and, you know, started, there was a, a bit of a pushing job went, went down between, between both sides. That would have calmed down for that would have come down if people, if as you said yourself, if there was someone there with authority would have said, "Look, we're bringing in uh, women and children here." I'm sure that that wouldn't have happened. But I will say this: it doesn't define the people who are Australian. I just saw the abuse that's been going on on social media over the last yeah. couple of days, based on people, unbelievable, based on people that do not know. First of all, the people who are Australian do not know. It, first of all, that they've been the most welcoming place. To, I, I think that what if the 88 percent of the refugees mm. are asylum, sorry, asylum seekers in Tipperary. And yet they're being rounded on like this, and and, and there hadn't been a there hadn't been a cross war um, between uh, the people of Australia and 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 the Ukrainian refugees that had come into the town. They've been welcomed into the town, despite the fact, Brian, that all of these asylum seekers and refugees are being given free medical care. So they're being given, you know, to be given free education. They'll be bussed in and out of where where they are. When the people of Australia have, have set back and had to see this, but what happened with? Um, the the hotel the other day the fact that the the owners decided to just just to 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 uh, make make the staff redundant close the place and turn it into a, a, a refugee centre and I just thought that was just too much for the people of Osprey. Uh, the local elections coming up, Shemi, will this be the big issue? And I'm talking about even over housing and will this be the big issue? Uh, it could be. Uh, it could be, friend. If the government don't get control of it, and I can't see them getting control of it, I can tell you, friend, every building in Nina that has a scaffolding around it, I have people have to be asking, is that turning being turned into a refugee centre? So, in people's mind, it is a major issue because there's there is fear out there, friend, of people not knowing, and the fact that the government don't give two tosses about development plans or planning laws or whatever, they can just move in a busload of people uh, in the middle of the night without telling anybody, and they they don't have to, they have no recourse. To tell and show me the to people who, who have, because it's been said a couple of times in the programme this morning, oh, this is all driven by the far right. Do you, do you accept that? I don't. In fact, I would be extremely proud 
as one of the councillors that kept the far right away from the, the debate in Bursa Cain. Yeah. And, and as you know, we brought yeah. all the different departments down, set them down. No, we had to drag them down, Frank. They did not want to come to Nina's to talk to us whatsoever. We brought multi-agencies down, sat down with them, uh, asked them for for resources, and um, we came up with a plan that if, you know, if someone... And, and by the way, the Bursa Cain has really worked, okay? Um, if the, 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 the people, the asylum seekers in Bursa Cain got asylum, that to be left there, you know, that they weren't going to be moved mm. on to somewhere else once they got asylum, and they were. And this has worked perfectly. We we sat down with with all the departments, and as I said, they had to be dragged, kicking and screaming down. But it's something that I'm proud of that we kept the right wing out of that. They were at that meeting, a public meeting in Bursa Cain. Yeah, I remember. They 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 they, 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 they did get um, hostile, but the councillors stood together, and we we said, no, we're going to work with the departments. We're going to come up with a plan. We come up with a plan. There was an, an attempt by the same group. To you know, bring asylum seekers to to uh, Pukon, the people of Pukon put their put their case forward. We put their case to to the department, and we said, look, uh, Pukon is suitable for, and certainly the buildings that were going into attached cottages with no back with no back door wasn't suitable. That worked. So so where we have um, sat down with departments, and where we've sat down with with people making these decisions, we we have had success, Frank. And I mean, we there was no far right, there was no far left. I mean, look, to be honest, Frank. I've had a penny for every every time I was caught far right myself in the last couple of days. Um, I, you know, I, I'd be I'd be a rich man now at this stage because it ended because people label you if you have an opinion. People label you one way or the other. Look, I, I'm happy to be who I am. I'm happy to say that the government have made an absolute mess of immigration. I've been saying it for the last couple of years, Fran. I have no parliament in standing by what I've said. They've made an absolute mess of immigration and they're forcing people, um, people out of Dublin into uh, into. Uh, Places that are not suitable around the country, and people are up in arms, friend. Their people are up in arms. Right. There's no point in saying any different. All right, Jamie, I must leave it there. But thanks for taking time for us this morning. Thanks, Jamie. Good morning to you. Good morning, and uh, that's Councillor Jamie Marmer speaking to us. News and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry with Slattery's Garage. Puck on! You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 0672411 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to Tip Today. 1800-938-007. Now we're hearing from Deputy Michael Lowry today, and he's telling us that he is raising. Uh, the various issues in Ross Grey during leaders' questions uh, today at about half past two or so. Um, yeah, our free phone number, 1800-938-007. And the text and WhatsApp is 83 Huge amount of text and WhatsApp into us uh, following our various conversations in the first hour of the programme. And we will get back to, to that. But right now, let's go with some happy stuff because we're kicking off our 2024 village tour today over the next 26 weeks or so we'll be visiting villages all over Tipperary to highlight these wonderful wonderful communities and we're starting in Upper Church this morning and we'll go live to Canaan's pub in Upper Church in just a little while but first of all Ali and John G took a walk around the village The Tipperary Village Tour funded by Commission Naman with the television licence fee
Okay, John, here we are to kick off our village tour of Tip Today for 2024, and we're starting in Upper Church. Here we are on the Bog Walk. Uh, we are out in the Bog Walk, just the two of us. Isn't it so lovely it's to be beautiful. here in the morning? And we're walking through the bog, and... Um, you know, uh, this is a bog, and believe it or not, everybody used to think it, a bog was a waste of space. But actually, per square metre, they have the most active ecosystems, the most life within them compared with any other uh, landscape. Mm -hmm. So there, are, And if we look here then, and I'll point it out to you there, if you see the green bits there, they're actually sphagnum moss, and they're green. And what we're saying here is that Without this sphagnum moss, we would have no bogs in Ireland. Mm. And what happens is, as you can see, they're green. And they cover over the bog. So what you'd have is a lake, firstly. So we're in a hollow, you'd have a lake, then vegetation would fall into it. But normally that would decay very rapidly. But what the sphagnum moss do, does, it covers over the entire lake, blocks it off, doesn't allow air into the water, sucks out the minerals, creates an acidic environment, and that is the environment then in which what we get here, the humpy terrain, and that's what we get, which is a called a uh, raised bog. Yeah. And the, the thing is there then, that this would have been terribly important to the community, mm. because remember, there's only a limited number of trees, coal was very expensive, so people would come here, and this would have been a social occasion on a good day every summer. Now, you wouldn't want to think that it was, you know, this was all kind of a holiday experience. It was backbreakingly hard work for the adults. The kids would come in as well, but then people met. It was fun as well as that. And in fact, then some of the young people would meet, meet here. Sometimes you'd have a bog romance, they talk about it. And maybe even if you push in some occasions, you ended up with a bog marriage. Uh -huh. So they were central to the whole community. So what we'll do then is we'll walk back up here now from the bog to the village. Some other fascinating things to look at along the way. Yeah. Loads of community development here. It's lovely to see with the bog walk as well that even though in traditionally it would have been the real heart of a community, they've been able to maintain that by developing the walk on it. They have developed the walk on it. In fact, you know, I was out here sometimes and we had people coming in from as far away as Germany and cutting turf in here. Now, unfortunately, that ended with COVID. But at the same time... Um, it, you know, it, it was a, it's a wonderful amenity and, you know, as you can see, we don't see it now, but there's lights all around the bog and it's great. People can come in and exercise here as well and they're near the village but very safe but out in the middle of the environment as well as that. Now, this bog is largely worked out. A lot of the peat has been harvested, but once you stop it like this, it will restart again and... The process of peat making, which takes about 10,000 years, will start again. Isn't that wonderful to think of the magic of nature? Yeah, beautiful. Okay, let's walk on. John, we've completed our loop around the bog and it brings us then outside the creche, which is a fantastic example of what can be done in a community. Isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, in a way, Upper Church people will forgive me. We're here in the middle of nowhere. And what do you see? About 10 cars parked outside here. I don't know if you can hear it. You can hear the young kids and they're playing in there. They're having fun, that kind of thing. And 
This is community enterprise. This isn't private sector. This is owned, built and run by the community in here. I understand. We'll find out more when we go back into the pub now about it. We'll have to talk about it. But I think there's about 12 people employed out here. You have about 40 kids in here. And then it's a great service that allows mothers to work and that kind of thing. I mean, the regeneration that has gone on here has been fantastic. And it's just what a beautiful building. But what I love to see, and we miss it so much, in rural villages when you come in during the day and you see cars parked rather than all those cars commuting off to Limerick or into Turles or whatever to work I think it's fantastic this is a credit to the community we'll have to find out more about it now when we end up before the fire in Canans Why aren't we seeing more of these? I mean I I would imagine there's a lot of red tape involved years of work is is that why? Yes I think that is the problem most communities aren't just as strong as Church to fill in the forms to do all that kind of thing. Uh, I think that's what has really happened and Upper Church have the strengths in there but we have to reduce I think the amount of red tape the continual form filling and there's all kinds of rules then how many workers you have to have which uh, the numbers of kids and that kind of thing that doesn't apply if it's an unofficial crash that somebody has in their you know in their in their back kitchen and yeah. that kind of thing. Well we'll find out more about that because Upper Church will know well about yeah. the farm filling and red tape but they do manage to get over it they're fantastic where to now up we're going up into the village and maybe we look not all community projects are so fantastic and we look one that didn't go well for upper church okay let's go okay john you were speaking about developments uh well we were just outside the crash talking about what great work a community can yeah. do you were saying this is one of the failures why so well yes indeed there is the first thing i would like to say is on the way up here is just all the kids out there yeah the isn't that playing hurling playing hurling absolutely fantastic. and the prognosis from upper church when upper church development started was the best thing to do with this area was forget about the population and turn it into turn it into forestry that was the prognosis and that the school would inevitably close there is in what has actually happened the opposite has happened the numbers in the school are actually increasing out here and Upper Church is considered a wonderfully desirable place to live. In fact, you see all the new houses yeah. going up around the place. But this then is the one, and even I kind of contributed a bit to it myself, that didn't go so well. Tipperary Leader came in behind that. There was no climbing wall in Tipperary. It's a great place for parties, a great place to exercise, a great place for kids. And they applied for that, went through all the paperwork, got it going. And I remember this place with 20 people climbing here at night, school kids coming out here we had the Gael skull with the upper church people did it all through Irish everything working out here and then what happens gradually even though there's never an accident here the insurance costs go up more and more insurance companies are leaving Ireland and in the end they say we won't insure you and now it's a, a reminder so there is no insurance and it'd be impossible virtually to get insurance of this now and this is just an example of it but all across Ireland any kind of a business that has the word adventure or challenge or anything like that about it once you put that word in they're straight away in trouble with insurance and you know and there's there are a small number of businesses so we don't hear so much about them and the problem with the whole thing as far as I see is this if I want to go in there and I feel I can't you know if I feel I'm likely to fall or I'm careless or whatever then I get personal accident insurance if I need 
can't fund being out of work for three months. Mm. But instead what is happening here is the local community are expected to fund my, my accident insurance. And of course you can't get it. But the bigger the thing here is when you go in onto farmland and that now, what the expectation is the local farmer through his insurance will insure me. They should not have to do it or insure anybody else. I think that we're coming up to elections now. This is something that has to be urgently dealt with. It became a big issue in 2019 and 2020 with the swing gate thing. Then COVID came along and it was all forgotten about. But it's still a huge problem and I'd love to see it on the agenda for the election because it's killing a lot of rural Ireland. Absolutely. All right, let's keep going. Okay, John, as we walk up through Upper Church, then uh, up the hill, and then uh, you have the vista, and you realise why this is such a popular destination for walkers. It's lovely. It's absolutely fantastic. A little um, valley here in the middle of all the hills. And what I love about it is, across rural Ireland, pubs are closing. Maybe some people don't have a lot of sympathy for pubs. I think they're wonderful to keep communities together. And look at it. We have three active pubs still in the village, where most villages this side have absolutely none. So it's great. And we're coming up here now and we're outside Paddy Canaan's pub and Paz on the other side. But if we look at Canaan's, this pub was started by a man called Paddy Canaan. And I think we have to look back here to the... Um, War of Independence. And what happened here was, I see the War of Independence, everyone said it started with Salah Hedbeg, it possibly did, but it was hardly a war. Very little happened after Salah Hedbeg. There was a not long ambush in May, then the guy who investigated that, D.I. Hunt, was shot in Turles, and later on in the year, policemen were shot up in Lara, but a lot didn't happen. There was a few assassinations, raids for arms and that. The war really started for me in 1920 when the IRA brought in a new policy and that was attacking RIC barracks and forcing them out of rural Ireland. And they began attacking those. And one of, so, they, you know, there was attacks all over the country. And even when they didn't succeed, and a lot of them didn't succeed, it told the RIC, it's too dangerous for you now to come out. We can attack your barracks even. It's too dangerous for you to come out in the countryside. And gradually what happened then was the RIC were forced back into the towns. And one of the attacks here then was on Ross Keane RIC station. And the man who led it was Paddy Canaan here, and he was the leader of the local battalion of the IRA. He was the battalion commander, and the thing to think about these guys is, they weren't guys that were selected. Mm. They were elected by the local community, yeah. whereas the British haven't all been selected. He no saw military his, training? Or no military like training or anything like that. They just had made their way along. Now, they didn't succeed in the attack on Roskeen Barracks, but what it did was, it forced, generally forced the RIC back into towns back into the, into towns like Torres where they had the support of the military. Now, I'd be fascinated to know, because I know after the attack on Hollywood Barrett that didn't 100% succeed, what actually happened was they abandoned it. And once you abandon the barracks, well then... The IRA becomes their territory. And, of course, out here then they had their own court system. They ran everything. And in the end, what happened was, as far as I could see, places like this were largely kind of independent. And 
the British government only had authority really in the towns. The countryside was the preserve of the IRA. And when they retreated then from barracks all over the country, the IRA would burn them out, and that was a sign of it. So I'd, I'd be interesting to see what happened to Ross Keane barracks after that. Was it abandoned? But of course, it's now moved on, and people will know it because, of course, you think of the name, what well, it's a pub now. What do they call it? They call it the Peelers. Of course, the Peelers were the police. That was the name for the police then, kind of the slang name for the police. Uh, so, so there's a fascinating amount of, I think, of information that we would want to find out, want to find out here. And I think Paddy Canaan as well here was involved. And he was a big Jim Stable from Upper Church. I think he was from Upper Church who shot D.I. Hunt. And the man who would have been leading that, and I think who was there on the day, was Paddy Canaan. And this was his shop. And of course, Paddy Canaan then went on later in life to start this pub. But he also was a great gale goer. So if you look at that, the whole front of the building and the plaque to Paddy Canaan, it's all in, 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 in Irish. So, you know, it's a great way of keeping the local traditions alive. So I think what we have to do now is we've talked about, you know, the uh, the War of Independence. Let's go in and find out more. Let's try and find out from the local people exactly what happened to Roskeen Barracks, what exactly, what did Paddy Canaan do after the War of Independence? He later became a TD. What is the involvement there? And find out more about the real stories of the people here during the War of Independence. And in fact, the Fenian Rising with 1867 when Roskeen Barracks was definitely burned out that time. So let's go on in. I think the fire is lighting. Absolutely. And as we make our way in, we are going to take a quick ad break and then we'll be back live from Canaan's pub. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Yes, and we join you live from Upper Church this morning here from Canaan's Pub. Everyone say hello. And we're delighted to kick off the 2024 Tip Today Village Tour here in Upper Church. And the reason why we picked Upper Church, and I'm sure you've heard it during our pre-record with uh, with John G there in our walk around the village, is because it's such a special area. And it has things that other areas don't have. And we wanted to find out why that is. And the reason is because of the wonderful people and the wonderful community that are here who work tirelessly and a lot very much under the radar for what exactly is here. So we have a number of people that we're going to talk to today. But let's start uh, at where we are now. I mean, it's freezing outside, but where we are is nice and cosy in here in Canaan's with the fire lighting. Neve Canaan, good morning. Good morning, Alison, and a warm Cade Milafalta to Upper Church, and we're delighted to have you here today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. And myself and John spoke about uh, your dad, Paddy, as well, during the pre-record as well, and the legacy that he has left. The, uh, how inspiring is that for you to kind of continue his legacy? Well, I suppose I was only three when he died, so I have very little, very vague memory of him. But I have to say, our mother was a wonderful woman, and um, there was never a day that his name wasn't mentioned. So it, I was actually, I'd say, in my 20s before I realised what we lost. Yeah. You know, because he was very much part of our lives, and uh, she always wanted us to know our relations. She wanted to know his friends. She wanted to promote Upper Church. She wanted, she, and she inspired all that in us, really. So mm. um, I've only one sister, and... Uh, and nephew, my late brother-in-law, passed away there a year ago, 
uh, Jimmy Butler. So um, we, I suppose, the, the, asking about Dad, I only know all the good things, and it's a pity that our friend Connie Ryan Long can't be here because Connie has a, a terrific memory of yeah. all the things that happened, and he he would be able to tell you more about it. But um, yeah, Dad was very involved in everything in the parish. He he uh, he didn't take sides in the civil war. I mean, he had his own side. He was, he was part of the original. All these people were friends before the Civil War, yeah. so he, he remained neutral. He wasn't either a card-carrying member of either party, but he was uh, with the, the, the art called of the IRA, and, and from that, I suppose, Sean McBride, he knew him because attending meetings in Dublin and that, and um, he, he, uh, he came down here, I think, three or four times to persuade him to to run for politics, to start a new party that wouldn't uh, leave behind civil war politics. Yeah. Now, they were a bit before their time. Yeah. They had a meteoric rise and a meteoric fall. And, of course, um, there was key people in all that, Dr. Noel Brown and the mother and child scheme. There were so much other things. Plus, the main parties realised that they were losing ground, so they stepped up their campaign a bit yeah. to... to Crime back. So, no, Dad was, was, was very involved in everything, and on the, at the 50th anniversary of his election to the door, the people of the parish um, put a plaque outside the door. There was a great day here. Huge crowds turned up to it. You must have been so proud that day, were you? I was, yeah. I was more sorry that my mother wasn't alive. I know. She was just dead three years at a time, so I would have liked her to have her be there. She would, she would have been very proud. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, she yeah. would have. Yeah. Now, like this, the saying goes, a black cat is black kittens, and you've always been involved in committees here as well. You've been at the heart of everything yeah. that's been, but that's that's kind of been developed here as well. Yeah. Upper Church is very unique in that. I mean, the level of community involvement, isn't it? Yes. Well, when we left school, you know, and uh, I was obviously it was, and the cards that had been coming back to here, I I was we joined a, a wonderful organisation, Mockery of Herma at yeah. the time, and many people were going to college like today, and uh, it was a fantastic organisation to get a voice for younger people to talk. So I suppose I thought I could, at, at that age, that we could solve the world's problems. It took me almost 50 years to realise it doesn't happen as fast as that. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, no, I got involved in Mockery, totally involved it at North Chip and county level, and then I got involved in the local development, which has been a wonderful organisation yeah. for this parish, and uh, many projects that this Margaret, our sec- current secretary, will talk about later. Um, uh, we have this wonderful achievements, yeah. and of course the hill walking. We had, a, we had a brilliant festival here for years called the Ned of the Hill Festival, yeah. and uh, that was a huge success. And um, uh, we also then that went on to with the hill walking, and of course we have Tom Ryan here today and Joan, Joan Quinn, who were the only walkers and the official walkers in the in the, in the parish at the time, and. Uh, they really were an integral part of starting the hill walking. Yeah. So the, the development became an umbrella group for all the smaller organisations, the historical society, the housing for the elderly, the, the active retired, everything kind of came out of that. Of course, we had, I'd like to, to mention, uh, I, I could mention so many names, but I, I suppose I leave it in general. There's a lot of people who have passed away, just people who are now not able to attend meetings because of age, but played a very much a huge contribution mm. to where we are today and I'd really like to acknowledge them because um, they, they, they sowed the seeds and ploughed ahead in, different, in difficult times yeah. and um, 
you know, so here we are today now, and we think we're, we're very upmarket. So yeah. from humble beginnings, and of course, John Gerrard played an integral part in that when he was appointed um, development officer, I think was his title, back in those days, uh, back in the late 80s, I'd say. Uh, he came in and of course he he was took up a church under its wing mm. and uh, we've, we've, we've had I, well, there's so many people here now you've, that will tell you all the different yeah. stories but no yes and I'd just like to when you were talking there um, I think I told you about Willie Leeson who was actually shot up there by the, by the Black and Tans in, two, in um, 1920. And uh, that was the same day Terence McSweeney was killed. Really? Yes, yeah. And, uh, and the same day that Michael Ryan of Cordoff was, was shot in his bed over. And I think the, the Black and Tans tried to shoot my two uncles, but they escaped. And um, that's, so there was a lot of history in the area. Yeah. And all these people sowed the seeds for where we are today, yeah. you know, so, so for for all that, uh, that spirit that came out of all that, that's still as alive today, even if it's, if it's in a different way. But mm. and hill people have always had to rely on each other because yeah. we're 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 uh, we we're proud to be hill people, but we've supported each other and we have a in our development our logo is Erskoa Kaila of Arnadina. Mm. Under the shadow of our people, we live, you know. So, yeah. uh, so that support is there, and you can see it by the crowd here this morning. They're all dying to tell you all the things that's, they are. that's happening. And I'm going to come around. I'm going to come back to you, Neve, towards the end, all right. But I will uh, do a little tour there now. I might go down to Margaret first of all, just to find out more about these great committees that are here. Uh, Margaret is the current secretary of the Development Association. Margaret, tell me first of all, because what we have here that I love is the community crash. I mean, I've never heard of any anything like that in any other community. How does that work? Um, well, very welcome anyway, Alison, to Upper Church anyway. Um, Michael Green, I suppose, is the, the man about the crash. Perfect. Say, so he can talk to you about that. That's fine. Yeah. So what we can talk about yeah. then is maybe the housing development yes, as well. Yes. I mean, that's an incredible committee yes, as well. Yes, but yes. in terms of the um, in terms of the associations here and everything, I mean, there's so much to be involved in here as well, isn't there? There's no excuse for anyone not to be involved in committees locally. Definitely, Alison. Definitely, Alison. As Nee said earlier, I'm the current secretary of the Upper Church Demand Development Association. Yeah. I took on the mantle after Neve, so I have great guidance there, so whenever I need help. Um, we're doing lots in the development at the moment. We have a tractor run coming up on the 4th of February, which we're very excited about. It's a great community day because old tractors meet new tractors, so it's a great kind of a gathering of people too as well, and we have yeah. a cup of tea and a chat before they head off on the route around. We've been very lucky in Upper Church over the last couple of years that we've got grants mm -hmm. um, from leader and various organisations. Um, recently, we've um, been granted a sports capital grant. So at the moment, we're in the process of opening up a gym in Upper Church Village. Brilliant. So that has allowed us to purchase equipment. Um, we have spinning classes going on currently at the moment in the hall. At, and we've also received uh, community trails grants. So this has allowed us to maintain all the lovely walks we have in Brilliant. the village um, and in the surrounding area. We have a walk in the village known locally as the Bog Walk. Yeah. Um, this is lit up every night until 10 o'clock. We have great seating around the area between 
park benches, picnic benches, so families can come, they can walk around, it's lit up, it's lovely, there's little fairy trails there for the young children mm. to find. So it's a great sense of community on that sense of it. We also organised last year um, a clean-up in the village, and we got great support with that. That's great. Yeah, and it was lovely, it was, everyone came on there, did a bit, we cleaned up the grotto around here in the village, and just general maintenance of the area so it was great to have everybody come together yeah. and the sun shone on us so it was yeah. great <laughs> yeah so I, do, I get the feeling upper church is different to other communities though there's a lot more of a community spirit here that i think than in a lot of other areas i, I you're probably going to say of course there is here so we're brilliant here <laughs> but do you think it just feels a bit more unique than other communities definitely definitely i married into the area so from day a one blow in margaret blow in. yes yes i know terrible um, but from day one i've been made feel so welcome yeah by everybody in the parish and you know there's great encouragement to join associations to join groups we also have the community text alert which has been up and running for the last five years maybe or so so that's fantastic and we'll be organizing um that people can come and get their different items say labeled as well so like that's we're looking forward to that as well. So yeah. you know, great activities going on. There's a busy year ahead, so yes, very busy, very yeah. busy. <laughs> we wish you all the best with it. Then thanks so much Thank for talking to us this morning. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie. Michael, to Father Tony next. How are you, Father? Hello, Alison, and uh, welcome, welcome to Upper Church from Van. Lovely to talk to you this morning. Tell me, I know you want to talk first about some of your highlights anyway, or, or some of the, the big issues from last year anyway. Tell me about that. Well, last year, 2023, I think two things stand out for me, and uh, the first one was the passing of my colleague, Father Donald Cunningham, on the 8th of December. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was here for 27 years, and we were together, colleague and friend, for the past seven years. And he was very devoted to his duties, caring for the sick, and... Um, involved in many many things and he loved his people and he loved his church and he organized so many pilgrimages to Lourdes and to Fatima and as well he promoted devotion to uh, divine mercy mm. and with great great commitment and um, a lovely man and so I miss him it's just over a month ago and on this coming Sunday then we have his month's mind mass yeah. where our people will remember him mm. and I suppose the second thing that stands out from 2023 was uh, Peter Ryan's uh, walk incredible wasn't it oh unbelievable yeah. I mean in years to come it will be recorded as a young man Peter Ryan with 10% vision yeah. uh, ran from Malin in Donegal to Mizzen in Cork over five days, the equivalent of running three marathons a day, mm. a day, and he completed it in Mizzen. And not only that, but um, he raised, I think it was about 120 €20,000 online and our parish here just took a collection the previous week and it was I think about 5700 was collected and given to the organisation called Vision Ireland mm. which will look after people with uh, uh, various impairments. Yeah. So five days running 380 miles or whatever 
Un unbelievable yeah. and uh, to finish it and to turn out I'll never forget in Nina where about 200 people uh, met him as he completed his run from <coughs> I think it was Granard in Longford to Nina mm. and um, how he was applauded in by our people and yeah. then of course and we had a great night in November when he was welcomed uh, back home. It was a big church celebration, an act of prayer of thanksgiving and mass and afterwards in the hall over 400 people there. Yeah. Oh, uh, but a memorable, monumental achievement yeah. by any standards. So uh, they're probably the two things to stand out from last year. Mm. But, um, you know, going on what you're saying, um, I'm only here just seven years now, but uh, as you can see, from the short time you've been here, it's a very friendly and welcoming parish. Absolutely. And opportunities for everybody yeah. to get involved, whether it be from a sporting or a cultural or a spiritual uh, aspect. People mm. have that opportunity. You know, we have so many sporting organizations. The lads here will talk about that later on. You know, whether it's hurling, football, soccer, camogie, mm. uh, you know, from a very early age, right up. And then you have, uh, you just take Trumban Hall where they have line dancing and set dancing every Tuesday night and uh, tea dancing on a Friday night for a particular group who enjoy that, that activity. Yeah. And uh, you've got historical society that produce this journal every year, people who are interested in history. Mm. And uh, so, uh, as, as Margaret has mentioned there earlier, uh, the Bob Walk yeah. and promoting the activities there, uh, people of all ages can, can get involved. So they're just a few of the things that which make uh, Upper Church uh, so so special. You have a youth club yeah. as well here uh, also. And then every Wednesday night we have car drive, 45 car Yeah, I came on the right day. It's car day, uh, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you're very welcome yeah. tonight. <laughs> uh, 90 people every every Wednesday evening playing cards. That's because you see that that used to be so common across mm. all communities like this across the county. It's getting rarer and rarer now, isn't yes, it? Yes, well, they come from everywhere yeah. here and they enjoy the company, I think. Mm. And they starts sharply on time and it ends you know at 10 o'clock uh, so uh, people meet and it's their night out and then in the GA pavilion Monday night there's cards also so uh, opportunity for people who enjoy those uh, activities uh, to get get involved so as I say active retirement you know doing wonderful work also so Absolutely. Great. It's welcoming and uh, as Margaret says, they're more and more invited to come in and participate yeah. in these activities. Well, thanks so much. It's lovely to talk to you. Hopefully we'll get you again before the end, Father. Thanks so much yeah, for talking to us. Who's going to talk to me about the creche? That's Michael, isn't it? How are you, Michael? Because I'd, I'd be interested to know, and I'm sure a lot of communities are listening to this and wondering, how do they do it in Upper Church and how can we do it where we are? T explain to us how it was set up, the creche here. Um... You heard about the community already and the commitment to the community, but I think this project really tested our mettle. Mm. Uh, there was long nights and long evenings given discussing about it, and to mention maybe where the money came from, uh, we had a representative from here that was on our committee that travelled Europe, and that was Con Ryan. 
and he had a uh, few people working with him at the time in the hall and they were looking into all these projects and where you get money and what have you. So eventually anyway, uh, the crash was discussed and I'd say every blade of grass around the parish was looked at before we eventually came up with a site and then we had to look into the money end of it and uh, we got 1.2 million. Brilliant. So we built it anyway and um, it is an outstanding success mm. but it is all mainly due to the people that researched the grants and people might say what were we doing with a crash in Upper Church but we we haven't room for what we have at the Isn't moment. Isn't that brilliant? And I mean this is a community crash run by the community for the community. I mean yeah. that's what makes it so unique. Yeah. And fair play to Pubble and fair play to Leader. Every shilling we got in the parish here Leader was with us all the way. If we had any problems we could go to Leader and they'd come to us. Yeah. But what they liked about us was, and what they liked about the committee, when they gave us money, they made sure we were going to spend it properly. So the biggest problem anyway, getting back to the crash we have at the moment, is to have enough of workers. And at the moment, uh, it is expanding so much because of all our young fellas and young people that are building in the area that we have to maybe look at the hall for after school. Yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, it's like the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. And that's exactly yeah. what happened here. Yeah. But uh, the crash definitely stands out. Yeah. There's many other projects stand out uh, besides the crash, but it's certainly one of them. Yeah. Well done, Anna. Yeah. Is there any issue? I mean, I know a lot of crashes will say they have issues with insurance and different things like that. The fact that this is a community crash, does that alleviate those issues or do you still have those kind of issues that you have to deal with as well? Well, we're governed by the Child Care Committee, which is uh, ran from Nina. Mm. So any of our problems are solved for us there. Yeah. Uh, from an insurance point of view, I think as a community, the biggest problem we had here over insurance was our climbing wall. Yeah. Which was a great success as well. Yeah. And all the schools that came here to it, but it was wiped out by the insurance fiasco and there was nothing we could do about it. Is there any hope on the horizon for that, do you think? Well, at the moment, there don't seem to be any hope. It's but, a shame, isn't it? Yeah. But getting back to the crash, we have no problem with insurance. We had problems for a while there with uh, trying to keep managers, but we're very lucky at the moment that we have a very good manager. Yeah, that's brilliant. And we have a committee that looks into the crash, um, just a few of us. We have a bigger committee. We, have, we had to set up a company, of course, mm. and we had to have directors, which you have to have with a company. So we just fizzled that down to maybe two or three that keeps in contact with the crash. So, I'm sure there's communities listening to this going, I would, we would love that and we'd benefit from that, but it sounds like a lot of work. What would you say to them? Well, I can tell you there was a lot of late, late nights, cold nights, sitting around. Sleepless nights. A table. Yeah. You know, uh, it was really down to commitment. Mm. It was really down to uh, the spirit of the area. Yeah. You know, so well done, well done. Now, who's going to talk to me about housing? Because housing is very unique here. Is that um, 
Uh, sorry, Richie, isn't yeah, it? Hi, yeah. How hi. are you? Nice to meet Good, you. Good, how are you? Good. Hi. Richie, tell me about the housing development, because that's another unique yeah. uh, development association yeah. that's here as well. How does it work? I am, well, for me anyway, I joined the Housing Commission in 2017, and uh, it's linked in at SVP, and I'm the president of SVP, and we have four houses in Upper Church, and there's four in Drumban, and there's two two-bedroom, and there's a three-bedroom in Upper Church, and... Uh, most of the people in the houses in Upper Church and are local people. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of important. I think they're local. And probably one of the big things that that I see that comes from it and visiting them, linking in and going to the meetings is that they find a real sense of security living locally and yeah. being from the local area. And the people, like, like I mean, I'm, in, I'm on the commission now a couple of years, but Connie, was, Connie Ryan was president, Peter Harrington is secretary, and like, they're visiting them all the time and they're linking in to them and like there's always someone calling to see if they're okay if they need yeah. anything they pay their rent if there's a problem with the rent if there's a problem with heating if there's a problem with anything we'll call in and see and help them out to make sure it's okay and that it's so is it the association then that applies yeah. for planning and builds yeah. the yes. houses and yeah. then the people yeah. come in and they get the funding then and that takes time to come through but it comes when it comes through like it happens like you know what yeah. i mean and there's, there's supports there but also they got a big award there in 2017 from the Irish Housing Association above in Dublin, a huge award. We all went up to the to the, um, the actual ceremony and one of the big things that came out of the award was that the sense of community that got behind the housing and got yeah. it going 20 something years ago. So that was one of the big things that came out of it and that the, the sense of the people feel safe and secure in the houses and that they're looked after. And I'm involved in another area as well, in Limerick and Torles, working in housing and that we, we come across a lot of people that feel isolated in towns. Yeah. They don't have sports in towns, they don't have people calling. Here in a rural area, people call people visit and yes people still have their own they have their own sense that they can be on their own and yeah. they can live on their own but they can be part of the community as well so that the housing took a lot of work took a lot of years and you have to credit Lord Mason someone like Pat Buckley who was hugely involved in it mm. you know and done so much I'm on the committee since 2017 but I mean this is going since the late 70s like really are you is this a very unique committee then so. here is there anything else like it around the country I think it is and I think a lot of the committees here are unique like since 2000 I've, I've been away 25 years and when I came back in 2002 I joined lots of different groups yeah. but I think does it, the big thing comes out of here today for me is the sense that people will volunteer and will help out and will get involved. And once you have people get involved and will get, get involved in stuff, things will work. For instance, in SVP, we got three new members this year. And everywhere I go, I go to the meetings in Limerick and Dublin, they cannot get volunteers. Yeah. They can't get them. They're having a national campaign now in a month's time to try to get volunteers. What is that, do you think? Why won't people volunteer? I think this, um, as Margaret said, when anything happens here, people get involved, whether it's hurling football, soccer, cycling, or anything. It doesn't matter. People will get involved. I think they want to be part of the community and they want stuff to work. Yeah. And if you want something to work, you've got to get in there. Plus, there's no money. There's nobody ever mentions anything about money. It's all volunteer, the word volunteer, people do for nothing. And they get involved for free. And I think people want to be involved. Like, mm. I think that around here, since I came back in 2008, I've never met a place that people get stuck in so, so yeah. quick and so much. And I think you'll find that going around to other villages as well, but you'll especially find it here that it does exist here in a yeah. strong way. And long may it continue. Absolutely. Mm. Now, we're, we're running out of time a little bit. Time is flying here, so we might move on to the sporting groups. Michael, we might talk about the GAA. Of course, at the heart of every community is the GAA, and no different here in Upper Church. Upper Church from Ban, we have to say now, don't we? Yeah, exactly. That's the, you know, the parish is Upper Church from Ban, yeah. and, you know, like every parish in the country, there's a GA club in, involved, and it is the centre centre of the parish. Like, and um, you know, we're we're an organisation that's catering for under sevens all the way up to adults, and that's that's twenty teams just on the Upper Trustrum Bay and male 
portion of the of the club. Um, we're also facilitating now. There's a, a new club set up, a ladies football and camogie club, Steve Phelan. And the women. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so um, you know, so there's a huge pulled in on the resources because of all the teams that are using it. And, and last year we were in the lucky position where we were able to purchase extra land beside our beside our current facility. So um, we had to do a big fundraiser for that. Um, so we raffled a brand new John Deere tractor, Brilliant. which was unique for a club in Tipperary. Yeah. And you know, a small rural club to take on that. We knew we would be able to do it because of the spirit and the drive um, that everybody in the community wants to make it a success and expand the facilities. Yeah. So, so that was the the history. So going forward, now in the coming years, we're we're going to have you know a five to ten year development plan in order to develop that that facilities that mm. twelve and a half acres for all the teams and all the kids and all the adults, both male and female, across the parish and uh, the Schlieffelham Rapparees as well for, for them to use and that everybody can be proud of and that will be used by all clubs um, in Tipperary, you know, we, we hope to see clubs in Tipperary playing, playing on our new field in, in the years ahead. So. Absolutely and soccer of course, another big one here. Billy, tell me about the soccer club here because you don't only just play in Tip, you play abroad as well I hear, don't you? Oh, yes, we have um, <clears throat> we have our soccer club uh, since 1968, and we, we did uh, a big development in the early 2000s. We, we bought the field and um, field dressing rooms and uh, uh, developed a second pitch. So we've two pitches, and we, we hope to move on to do some bit of all weather stuff. But uh, as uh, for going abroad, um, each year in June, the first or second week of June, that there's a, a thing called the Europub League, which uh, consists mainly of. Uh, you know, you have all these Irish pubs in the various cities in Europe. So um, it began with the with the one from Rome, but we got involved anyhow. We, we, somebody walked into a pub and met somebody, and we got invited. So every every year we we go there. It's in Valencia in Spain this year. Uh, last year it was in Nice in France. Uh, we've been to Munich. Uh, You're only going for the soccer course. We're not going for the crack at all. You were not. Well. <laughs> 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 I, I, exactly. I, 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 like, like, soccer is only the excuse, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. But the, the, this, uh, so we, we actually hosted it in Drumban uh, in 2013, and we had uh, eight different countries represented. Uh, so um, the Italians won anyhow. The Scholars Pub in Rome. Ah, uh, uh, well, no, the man who, who runs it is, is um, Declan Crean from Wexford, um, and he is. He visits here whenever he's in Ireland. Uh, often, sometimes when he's in Ireland, he calls to Jim's pub there. Now and then, uh, you, you might meet Jim. Uh, anyhow, th- this year we're off to Valencia in Spain. Like, like Michael said, we're, we're lucky to have um, good facilities. We have several teams, juveniles and um, two adult men's teams. The, the women, sometimes we have a ladies' team and some years we don't. Yeah. At the moment, we don't. Yeah, but still, a bright future there. Well, hopefully. We're uh, still going. Yeah, well, yeah. you see, uh, actually, soccer fluctuates a bit with the fortunes of the national team. If When Jackie's Army... Does it? it does, yeah. When, when Jackie's Army was going well, we had everybody wanted to play soccer. Now, now things aren't... Now so no one good. wants to play it. Yeah, well, uh, I wouldn't say no one wants, but the, the same enthusiasm and fire isn't there. That's interesting. I never knew there was trends of it like that. Yeah, that's guess. What's also, of course, we're in Upper Church, so another big uh, activity here, of course, is walking. Joan, I have to talk to you about the walking. Um, tell us, of course, Upper Church, very well known for its roots here. But you haven't just walked around here and in Ireland as well. You've done Mount Blanc as well, haven't you? I have, yes, yeah, back in 2007 uh, with my husband, Jerry. Um, what was yeah. that like? 
Um, oh, great experience. Tough, yeah. but um, yeah, looking back on it now, um, um, great experience and, and, and um, great achievement yeah. because uh, it was tough going and um, we were climbing for, for two days and Ooh. reached the summit in the as the sun came up in the morning. And yes, yeah, yeah. How yeah. long have you been into walking then? Um, I've been walking with the Mid-Tip Hill Walkers for oh, over 20 years now. Wow. So, yes, you must yeah. be delighted to see this real resurgence then in popularity and walking, particularly around this area. Absolutely, yeah. yes, yeah. And any time you pass the, um, you know, the, 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 the entrance to the walks, there's always cars parked up. And yeah. yes, lots of, yeah. We have um, three great walks here in, 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 in the parish, Nocolau, and um, and then we have various events during the year. We have a night walk at Christmas, and we have dawn, dawn walk um, at Easter, where Father Tony will say mass at the top of the hill, and yeah. then various walks for charity, um, for 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 charities, the GA, lots of of uh, charity walks, and we have a there's a big one coming up in conjunction with Mitip Hill Walkers, John G, who we were talking to earlier, um, in memory of uh, Michael. Sutton, who was um, um, an avid walker and cycler and a great friend here in Upper mm. Church. So, um, that's in April, isn't it? That's the 6th of yeah. April, so we're hoping for a, a, a big turnout on Absolutely. that day. And it's for um, uh, Bishop John Ryan, a um, native of Holy Cross, who is out in Malawi. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. We'll wish you all happy walking, happy walking. And what they love here as well, of course, is a bit of an owl hooli. And Fergal is going to talk to me about that. The hooli on the hill, it started last year. Uh, Fergal, how was it for a first year? First year was very great. Um, we're delighted that it was success and everything went off very well. We were, we were uh, lucky with the weather. Everything, we had storms coming up to the, on Friday. Saturday morning cleared off and uh, it was... Uh, for for the community it was a great success. All all the locals came out to help out, and yeah. it was it was just just couldn't couldn't thank him enough. Like yeah, because I mean you're no stranger to it here. Because what was the big one you had then? It was the Ned of the Hill Festival. Yeah, was the, the big festival. one a few years ago? It wasn't wasn't it? Yes, yeah. So uh, I suppose uh, that finished up in 2001, and we had I suppose uh, Shane McGowan was the big yeah. name at that stage. Like so. Um, all the young people were saying oh, they missed out on Nether Hill and was there ever going to be any other festivals so I suppose uh, madness took over at that end and we just uh, ploughed on. Well, what's the plan then for next year? Next year is the August Bank Holiday um, to have the second Hooli in the Hill so we'll work from there. It's great, it's another event to build on then isn't it? And yeah. then to draw people in. Yes, well, sure, that's what it's all about. We like, we like bringing people into the area and showing yeah. off our, our lovely hillside and and our lovely community that's been built up from over the years, like so. Yeah, uh, is Jim in the mill here? Did he arrive while I was there? Oh, there he is, Jeepers! I walked past you, Jim. How are you doing? Sure, we couldn't come here and not talk to you. How are you? The finest. How is yourself? Oh, sure, great. Yeah. Tell me, anyone who doesn't know what Jim in the Mills is, I'm sure there, there's very few of them left now. Tell us about it. Ah, sure, it's an old house down the road. Yeah, <laughs> there's not much to tell you about it. It's a kind of. It's the same as it was more or less when it was built. Right. And maybe that's the attraction of it, you know. Maybe. The, the but you, is it still Thursday nights you're open? Thursday is it? nights mostly, yeah. Not all night other than that. And the crack is still mighty. It is good enough, yeah. <laughs> it is. I'm sure you've many a tale now to tell from, sure. from a few. But even from here, I mean, we like Canans, we're, we're, having, we're having a great morning here and everyone's been very welcoming. Yeah. Are they putting it on for me? Or is it, are you know, always like know, that? It is genuine. Yeah. It is genuine. There might be a bit of 
misinformation now and again. Oh, really? Like yeah. what? Harry wouldn't know the devil. You couldn't <laughs> disclose those things, you know. Really? <laughs> yeah. So tell me, you're still open anyway every Thursday yeah, night, are yeah, you? Yeah, well, every week, yeah. We it's the place to go, I hear. Do you still have large crowds coming down? We do. We have, yeah. we have all the time now. We're fairly good all year. It's because you're so exclusive. It's like an exclusive club. It's only open one day a week. <laughs> I don't know the difference. <laughs> what's, what's the attraction? But anyway, we have the people coming all the time. That's brilliant yeah. to hear. And let's, do you know what we're going to do? I'm going to lead you into a song because I know we're, we're pushed on time. Yeah. Dave, thank you so much for having us here on the first day of our village tour for 2024. I know there's so many people I didn't get to. I'll have to come back and do another day. But any chance Jimmy might lead us off on Eamon and Knick, maybe? That be, not to put you on the yeah. spot or anything, but the group might join in. Could we do that? We all know him in He learned it in school, surely, didn't she? <laughs> Will you start us off, Jim? The words are up there, Jim. Yeah, the know. words are on the wall, Jim. Do you think it would be suitable at all? You don't think? I, I'd say that they don't well, what, what song say, do you think would oh, be suitable? Can I ask you to pick an old song then to sing us out? Siobhan, come out here. Siobhan. <laughs> Poor Siobhan is hiding. Or Siobhan is... I'd maybe sing a Paddy Leary from Tipperary. Off you go. All me named is Paddy Leary from a spot called Tipperary. The hearts of all the girls I'm a torn in. But before the break of morn, sure it is they'll be all forlorn when I start for Philadelphia in the morning. And with me bundle on me shoulder, the no man can be bolder. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to uh, Tip Today, to the final hour indeed of uh, Tip Today. Well done to Ali and John G and all the team there. Fantastic piece from uh, Upper Church. And that's the first of our village tour uh, slots and over the next uh, 25 weeks or so we'll be going to different villages everywhere and anywhere and we're looking forward to that. Time to speak to our GP, Dr Pat Harold. Good morning to you, Pat. Good morning, Fran. It's a cold one out there, that's for sure, Pat. It is. You know, I was, I was expecting, I was waiting to say how are you because my friend Bryony Keller in Nina is, um, you might know him as the enormous barman in... Um, Pose. But Bryony started a craze recently. If anyone asks him how he is, he says, awesome. <laughs> so it kind of caught on. And anyone who sort of, um, they're, they're sort of the regulars of Una Pose, which is like a, small, a bit of a club sometimes, yeah. they've taken to saying things like magnificent, wonderful, <laughs> brilliant. And you know what? It, I think it kind of has an effect. Well, you know? well can I oh, add we're, to we're, that? Because the one that I use all the time when people ask me how I'm, I say sparkling. So sparkling. sparkling, that's a new one. I, yeah. I borrowed that for a few days. It'll <laughs> probably peter out, but uh, you know what? It's going. It's kind of fun, and we're all at it. And, and Very good. So, yeah. If you ask me, I, 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 but this is the first time in about four years you haven't asked me how I was. Well, well, let, so, let's do it. That Pat, you, how are you, Pat? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm delighted to hear that, Pat. Um, you're yeah. going to talk to us a little bit about isolation today, Pat. Social, I am. social isolation. I am. You often heard me talk about the TILDA study, which is a um, yeah. it's a longitudinal study um, in Ireland. It's run by a very um, famous um, professor, uh, Roseanne Kinney, who it's it's looking it, it forms policy basically on aging people, and it looked at social isolation recently in people over seventy. 
illness and social isolation, and they found it's as bad for your health as smoking. It is actually that bad if for all cause mortality. And um, an awful lot of people who come to me say that um, that they that they don't, after lockdown, they kind of lost the habit of going out yeah. and socialising mm. and getting in touch with people. And, um, you know, it's through nobody's fault. You know, you, you could be you could be bereaved. You could never have, um, a lot of people have kids abroad. You know, mm. with the mm. with the immigration, mm. and um, you know, and a lot of things have broken down. You know, and and, and it's just to I, I met then um, alone. I don't know if you're familiar with alone. I am indeed. Yes, yeah, you yeah. you probably are, mm. and um, you're usually up in things like that. And um, alone is support care for the older people, mm. and there's a helpline for people. But they also um, there's a lot of volunteers in alone who help people with filling out forms. There's support really, and a befriending service. Mm. And it's very important that um, people aren't left on their own. It, I mean, this is serious, robust science that, you know, it, it actually puts your life in danger. You're far more, and apart from that, you're far more prone to depression. So if you like, I could I could put you in contact with Alison from Malone and she'll um, tell you more about it. Mm. They, they do everything. One of the things is if you're trying to get the things you're entitled to, it's very difficult to fill out forms. Yes. And a lot of people actually rock up to me with them and God knows I'm, <laughs> I'm enough trouble doing the forms I'm supposed mm. to be doing, you mm. know, and it isn't really the appropriate um, thing to, you know, but if you've got somebody who will help you with that. And there's things like daycare centres. They're absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And social dancing. Playing cards, 45, your little pub. It doesn't have to be necessarily rural. I mean, you can be very lonely in a city as well and in a town, as we all know. And basically, if the listeners are to keep an eye out for somebody who might appreciate, you know, lift the town for shopping or um, be asked out mm. for a cup of coffee or something like that. I don't think Irish people are great for um, reaching out really. Yeah, the, the, there's that sense that we want to be independent and all of that, I suppose, uh, Pat, yeah. It's, yeah, uh, and I'm sure you noticed, Fran, in yeah. your time, that a lot of the people who were really, really fit from the dancing mm. can't do it anymore yeah. because, you know, they just lost a bit of condition. There's a couple of things I go to for that. Um, there's They've actually, um, now, HSE gets a lot of bad press, but they've really beefed up things in primary care lately. Mm. Um They've strengthened up physio and OT services. So what does an OT do, an occupational therapist or a physiotherapist? If, if you're in the house and you're on your own and you've, you might need adapt- adaptations, you know, something like a grip rail mm. going around the stairs in the bathroom. Um, you know, they might spot a, a trailing flex or a step. There's, um, you know, the public health nurses. I mean, if, if you talk to your GP about it, they can put you in touch with uh, teams and we can sometimes call a team approach. We'll meet in Zoom. It's called the multidisciplinary mm. primary care team, to use a big expression for it. And, um, and, and the patient or the representative can come along. And you can just sort of decide how you can keep your living well at home as long as possible. Which is a big thing. Yeah, and the big thing we kind of do too is um, we kind of, we really are trying to avoid falls because a fall is a big game changer. If mm-hmm. you break the, your wrist, it's a it's a big danger sign. It can need things. If you break the hip, it can be a huge game changer. You might never live alone again after 70. So um, prevention is better than cure, you know, always. And um, we're we're working on that. And then there's ICPOP here. I'm throwing out things like ICPOP is integrated care for the older person. Now, the one I deal with is the situation in Thorless, right there beside the house, the hospital of the Assumption. And I was with a G- crowd of GPs who went around there and um, 
recently and it's just amazing the way they look at your balance at your medication at your all your tests they'll order anything doing and it, you sort of you sort of go in and you come out with a list of recommendations your medications could be changed and this is the sort of thing that can keep you living independently and well mm. for years and years and years more and a lot of so people the, pat would not be aware that these opportunities are there. i certainly didn't know about that yeah, I yeah. thought I'd, I'd throw a lot of them out there today. Yeah. But, you know, your your public health nurse knows about it. Your yeah. um, your GP knows about it. And um, we're, we're, we are we, we can access. And, and most of this stuff isn't really based so much in hospitals anymore. Mm. You know, now I will say Nina Hospital is absolutely wonderful in that, you know, if somebody does end up in hospital with pneumonia or whatever, you know, they generally know what conditions they're sending them out to. Yes, you know, yes. Um, which is which is I don't know local knowledge and all, all sorts of things. So they kind of make sure that you're fairly all right before they let you go. But um, th- there's people you know who aren't necessarily from the area, um, and that is, you know, th- there's other things you want to make a bit more of a constructive. But there's plenty of things happening. So I would suggest now anybody who um, has an, is aware of an older person living living by themselves, hmm. um, or you know, they could contact the loan and, and they are always looking for volunteers. Yes. And they're generally people who are retired who will, you know, drop out shop, ring mm. somebody up. Like I was hearing about a lady, they just, she's very happy because every somebody gives her a ring at about nine o'clock every morning to make sure she's made it through the night safely. And that's all she wants, you know. And if you've sort of two kids in Australia or something, it's very nice for them to know that... Um, that the person is being looked after. Nobody likes to think of themselves as old friends. Yeah, you know? Okay, no. when, I, when I recommend the daycare centre in Nina, which is the best place ever, mm. um, it's run by Anne Healy for years. She needs a great big shout out there and a clap in the back. Um, yeah, I, I call it the youth club. And I say, it's time we sent you down to the youth club. <laughs> yes. And, you know, they'll get a dinner, they'll get a haircut, they'll play bingo, they'll do um, yeah. reminiscence therapy. There's a bit of music at about. them as well, yeah. I'm sure that yeah, there absolutely yeah. is, and um, they sing songs. God knows what you know. Um, so, and it, it's also a great asset to the GP mm. because they can start to say, mm, you know, the friends getting a little bit forgetful here, and um, you, know, you know, or whatever, or yeah. they're looking frail, or they're not eating, or whatever. Now, I'm not saying that there's a, a non-confidential hotline at all, mm. but mm. there is there there is a kind of. Um, they, they will sort of with the patients you think, say, you know, maybe I talk to your doctor about that. Or they'll take your blood pressure and say it's running high for a few days or something like that. So it's all, it, these days, um, my job is, is far more community-based mm. and more, um, it's great, really. There's lots mm. of good things coming in. Well, it's great to hear that. And those daycare centres are all over the, the county. There's a great one in Care, I know, and in Tipperary Town. And uh, so all sorts of various places. And, and it's good that you're recommending them, Pat. Um, I'm, I'm wholeheartedly recommending yeah, them. And, yeah. um, and um, I'll probably, you know, in a few years' time, we'll probably be meeting each other there. Yeah. One of them. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll have the guitar with me anyway, Pat, and yeah. I'll, I'll expect you to have yours. Um, we're, we're hearing a lot. Is it a coincidence I'm hearing a lot about pneumonia over the Christmas period? Period, Pat. It isn't really. There's there's a few things going. Um, like uh, I don't know. A lot of people are. Um, there seems to be a lot of um, respiratory syncytial virus around. Yeah. Um, there's a vaccine not commonly available for it. I just only found out about this a few days ago. It's it's um, 
it's it's a kind of it's not routinely done and you have to pay for it. But if, if you're over sixty and you have a problem, a health condition, it might be something worth thinking about. Now that's you and me the cold. You know, yes. if you're in good health it kind of breaks up, but it can get a bit out of hand. Um there's a lot of bugs going around, yeah. You think the cold weather would would um, kill them. You, that's a bit of a myth actually. Mm. They don't really mind cold weather. Oh, I see. Yeah. Right. Um most bugs. Um yeah, pneumonia. So what can yeah. I say? You know, I mean what we the most infections that you you do, we kind of roughly rule of thumb above the head or below the head. You know, if it's kind of in your nose and your coughing and sneeze, do a cold test because if if it's COVID, there's no point taking antibiotics because they won't touch it. Yes. You know, so and if it's below and you get that dirty cough and you're coughing up horrible stuff and um that's the proper chest infection, stroke, pneumonia. If you've damaged your lungs and smoking, um, I'd never give out to anyone who started, but, um, you know, you, if it, um, or you've got COPD or something, it can be quite a big deal. So a, a sort of a rattly cough and um, things like that. But there, yeah, there's always pneumonia going. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a fairly um, yeah. dangerous kind and of what, thing. What surprised me is some of the people that I was speaking to that got it over, because they, they would be healthy people, you know. It's not as if that they'd have underlying conditions or anything. So I would just take by the somebody asking me about coughing, in fact, uh, Pat, and saying, uh, "What is a prolonged cough uh, that's going around at the moment? I can't seem to shake it off, and I'm wondering about treatment for that." Um, yeah, you you need to get looked at. You know, um, anybody who's got a prolonged cough definitely needs to be yeah. checked over and checked out. Now, having said that, um, COVID seems to linger. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of people sort of can't really. There sort of seems to be a kind of a low-grade inflammation thing going, especially with the sinuses and things. Now, I'm weary talking about it because it keeps changing. Remember yes. I was talking one time, there was chill blains going yeah, a couple of yeah, years ago. Yeah. Um, don't see that anymore. The, the sense of smell thing seems to have passed on a bit as well. But at the moment, just sort of what I can see in my office, um, people say, geez, I had COVID six weeks ago and I'm still tired and, you know, I've still got a no mm. bunny nose and mm. I'm still a bit congested. And then, um, of course, my um, puzzle then is to make sure it isn't something else. Of you course. know, so, I mean, yeah. if you know, if it's a small person, you might get a chest x-ray and check it out a little bit further. But, um, it, it, yeah, mm. it, it's all that season for all right, but to get it checked out, if it's a prolonged cough, obviously to get it checked out. Pat, it's yeah. always good to talk to you, okay, and uh, thanks very much. And I'm delighted that you're awesome. you're awesome. You're awesome. I'm yes. awesome. Yeah, and sparkle as well, won't you? Sparkle. I'll sparkle from here on in. <laughs> thanks, Pat. Take care. Bye bye. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Let's talk about interior design and I'm glad to be joined by Karen Prendergast uh, as always. Uh, Dr. Pat Harold is awesome. I'm sparkling. How are, how are you, Karen? I'm flying. <laughs> flying. <laughs> I'm delighted to hear it. Delighted to hear it. You're going to continue to look at trends for us, I think, aren't I you? Am. Yeah. yeah, and I made um, a lovely mood board, oh, actually, stuff. for this morning's show. Stuff, yeah. Just to, for a talking point, as always, yeah. and just to give us ideas... Yeah, it's nice uh, to see. It's nice to see a picture. Am I right? In uh, does it sum it up to say some of the older looks are back, the vintage look, yes. and yeah. yeah. So natural wood is back. Vintage furniture is back. Now, oh. when we say vintage furniture, it may 
not necessarily be from second-hand shop, but it might be furniture that you already have, that you're a little bit fed up of, that you're not sure what to do with, that you might want to recover, that you might want to French polish, you might want to move to a different room. And I'm talking all those scenarios now with furniture that you already have. So it's not easy buy very good furniture anymore because the furniture in a lot of the shops even though it might be medium range priced it hasn't it's not the same standard as we would have right. got right. you know years ago and uh, there won't be a lifetime there in won't it, be a lifetime in it yes. i suppose yes. um, i've often said it on this show i bought furniture well we bought furniture about 12 13 years ago and when we were moving house you'll remember the story i built a house i built a room in the living room to take the length of the couch because mm. it was a big couch and i got it recovered now to get uh, two queen ends and the couch recovered it cost me 1750 euros and i bought the fabric wow but that furniture was as good as the day we bought it mm. it was irish made handmade um and it was really really good so if i were to buy the same again mm. i wouldn't have saved much money but if i was to buy the same again what was the point the, i had because the quality the quali- would, would but well no the quality would be there because this well, is from an irish company that's handmade right. but i didn't see the need because it was not set on that much. It was absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. fantastic. No, what I meant is if you bought something similar Oh, if now, I bought something similar it now, it, it, exactly, quality. it wouldn't yes. be. So yeah. for me, it quite cost maybe 2500 to recover that amount of furniture. I had the furniture and that's what I wanted right. to do. So it may be not that, as I said, we're going to vintage shop, but you can't beat the for good sure. furniture. I, I know you'll put the mood board up on, uh, on social media. I will, of course, yeah. Stuff, yeah. Where the vintage furniture, furniture is concerned, I'm interested to see that the, the six chairs... Four are the same and two are different and And, very different. And very different. And again, if you go to a store downtown, any of the stores downtown that are selling furniture, you will get an opportunity that you don't have to buy the six same chairs as well. It's it's quite in with the last couple of ah, years. So you might have the same, you might buy six of the same chairs, but two of them might be carvers. Yes. You might buy dining room chairs that match, but you might have a counter, an island unit in your kitchen and you'll buy your stools a different colour. Right. So mixing and matching is quite in and has been in. You know, so um, the, the the idea of mixing and matching is available in most shops, but you need to open your eyes. You need to ask. You need to um, not just go for what's available in front of you. For instance, if mm. you go into any shop and they're selling a three-piece suite, there's going to be, say, a three-seater and two armchairs. Mm. But you could buy that three-seater and you can go down someplace else in the shop or to another shop and buy two chairs. And there's no problem. And there's no problem do, whatsoever. Do, doing that, yeah. But a lot of it is, and this is why we need you, you see, if you explained that to me about the four chairs and then two more different, I'd say, nah, nah, that wouldn't work for me. Yeah. And when I see it, it's perfect. It just... And you see, when you see it on, on the picture that we have, yeah. if you look at other elements in the room, they're coordinating with the different yes. covers the, on the furniture or the, the different wo- chairs. The wood in and the wood in particular. Yeah. Yeah. So... In every picture, when I showed you the mood board, you know, you pointed out the lighting and most of yeah, the lighting is gorgeous. Yeah. It's the whole concept of the room together. It's not just one item. So many of my calls, I get a person will ring me and they say, I'm ringing you, I'm not kind of sure what I, I want you to do. Look, there's something that's not, a few things aren't right in the house or whatever. I'm not sure what is it. Mm. So it's all the elements in every room in the house, be it a bathroom, be it an ensuite, be it a kitchen, be it a, a sitting room. It's all the elements 
and the whole room is a story. So it's never one mm. item on its own. Um, some of your bathrooms that you're, you're you're showing here, some of the vanity mirrors and and indeed the basins as well are so be- there's so many options out there. There are so many options. I mean, if you go into a bathroom showroom now, yeah. the options for um, different types of toilets, sinks, sink units, vanity basins, uh, units there. Are so many of them to choose from in colours, different shaped um, radiator, radiators, yes. pink radiators to match pink bathroom suites. Peach, peach is really the colour that's in at the minute. There is so much to choose from. And of course, all price ranges. Of course. And one of the jobs you did yourself, you brought in the, the I think the mirror is amazing. It looks to me like kind of Art Nouveau. It is 1930s. very Art Nouveau. Yeah, it is very 1930s. But what you've done is that you've, you've offset the bowl. We've it's, offset it's the bowl, centered. so it's an oval bowl. And it's gorgeous. And <clears throat> it's white on the inside, blue on the outside. So we offset the bowl to the right-hand side. We offset one tap. Then I uh, got a unit made underneath and we painted it the colour of the walls. And also the two wall lights that I have there, mm. they're supposed to be turned the right. other way around, but I turned them up for oh, the drama. So they're uplighting, yes. They're uplighting, but they were very cheap lights. Well, they don't look cheap to me. They don't look, but it looks amazing. So that uh, downstairs loo is all about the colour, the materials, which is the brass, and um, the unit as well. So it's stunning for for small money. Very good indeed. And again, a work you've done yourself, and some of it is stunning. I'm not sure if you can put that up. But will you tell me about the kitchen and how you saved the money? On a job um, mid last year and there was a beautiful kitchen in but the kitchen wasn't the style of a kitchen they they wanted. Now if we were to, and this week in week out I'm repainting kitchens and redesigning kitchens. Um, If we were to take out that kitchen and put in a new kitchen it would be give or take the same kitchen because the window's in the same place or the sink would go in the same Mm. place so the units wouldn't be that different. And we got a price of 27,500 to replace the kitchen. Wow. So we just, I said, we even if we had it in the budget, we'll need it for other things. We can't spend that much money. And I think it would be such a sin to take out that beautiful kitchen. Mm. Solid, solid, solid wood. Was it, solid, was it oak? Solid oak. oak. And take out that kitchen and, and, you know, you could sell it on whenever somebody would use it. So we repainted it. We took off the worktop. We put on a new worktop. We kept the two sinks, one in the island unit, one at the window. And um, we repainted it. And um, probably for the repainting, probably cost three thousand, and the worktop then was a stone worktop that cost maybe probably about seven thousand. So we had the whole kitchen redone right. with new taps, um, completely new stone, and repainted right. for ten. And it's now, a very big kitchen. And it's a very big very kitchen. Big but kitchen. the price that we got now for twenty seven and a half thousand for the kitchen wasn't the stone. So the stone was going to be seven, eight, nine thousand on top, on of, top that of that again. again. So God. the kitchen to be replaced to do what we done would have been forty, but we got it for ten. Now, Karen, I have to tell you, I was always suspicious about the notion of painting the oak, and so yeah. because you spoke to me about it, and I went, oh, I don't know. Yeah. It looks amazing, but you'd have to get it done properly. You'd have to get it done properly. It needs to be washed, dried, sanded down three to four coats on it and if you see I have a sitting room mm. there that's in the, the blue colour as well the yes. dragonfly blue and those units came raw so the the unit we got the units made and they came raw and we hand painted those yes. yeah, on okay. either side of the fireplace we hand painted those friend. and they look fantastic and they're stunning yeah. but again it was done by a professional painter with the best of paint and 
I have an eye because I, uh, you know, my background is working for a painting contractor. Yeah. I have an eye for paint. So when I'm working with a painter, um, we work very well together and any job we turn out would be 100%. But you can see the pit, that room raw on one of the pictures I brought you in. Yes. Like that room was a total transformation. Difference is just really, really something. And I suppose the thing is... And sorry, are they? is that matte paint on that? It's eggshell. It's eggshell. It's water-based eggshell. Right, but there's no shine on it. There's no shine. Yeah, no, okay. but it's totally washable. Right. And totally hard-wearing and suitable for timber. And is it the same on the kitchen? It yes, looks it's very same on okay. the kitchen. Right, yeah. Interesting. Um, dark colours as well you're using. Uh, you yeah, know, they're no, in. I love them. They're, they're in. Just... And, you know, you like that look and... I like I like that look, but it depends on the client. It depends on the house, but it's nice and moody. And that sitting room, the blue sitting room that you're looking at, that's an evening room more than a day room because they have a living room off the the kitchen that we repainted. So that's a nighttime room, and it's it's a gorgeous room at night time. Oh, it's a lovely roo- room during the day, and they have a a stove in the fireplace. Mm-hmm. So imagine how cozy it's going to be, friend. That's lovely. I love the shade on the uh, on the standing lamp. There, yeah, that was special. Now, was my design from for the whole room came because I bought the lamp first. So the concept oh, for the room came from the lamp. Right, and the print even works with now, the the print. <laughs> the print I bought in Asheville, Asheville Castle in the shop. Go on. Yes, they have a beautiful shop. If anybody's ever gets a chance to get in and go around the grounds of Ash- Ashford Castle and have a coffee or whatever, it's a beautiful shop. It looks, there. looks very expensive, is it? No, no, that that expensive. No, okay, not right. at all. Looks lovely, but stunning. Yeah. But again, you see, this is the. It's kind all of, the elements. Yeah. It's you picked out the light behind that light. We've got we changed the radiators in the room. We put up uh, vertical tall grey ones, but you can't really see it on the wall. Mm. So everything was so purposely done in that room that it is designed by me within an inch of itself. Right. But it looks it. And is that hardwood on the floor? Uh, no, laminate. Oh, right, OK. And again, quite reasonable. Right. So you don't have to spend a fortune. You can do so much with paint. Um, these days you can do so much with paint that literally anything can be painted. And if it's done right, and if you... For me, you may, when I walk into a job for the very first time, I always want to know what the person uses their room for, uses their house for, what do they like, show me things that you like, um, what had you before that didn't work, what do you need now, wet rooms are a big thing, everybody, so many people are repainting their kitchen, uh, making wet rooms, uh, wanting boot rooms, wanting maybe, you know, farmhouses or people that have children coming in all the time from sports, they need the boot room, they need some place to put their the boots and their mm. shoes and their mm. soccer boots and they want some place maybe at the back door to have a shower. So these are all the modern day things, mm. the items that people need in their homes. Yes, that we mightn't have needed twenty so years things ago. Are, things are changing. Yeah. yeah. Um. The uh, and again the the intimate uh, dining area here. If you explained that to me, I'd say there's no way in the world You'd that, like that, it. That, that that works. And it works brilliantly. A, a very floral... A, um, a very floral wallpaper. wallpaper. Halfway down. Yeah. So that's, again, huge, especially in bathrooms, especially in hallways, that buying the, um, buying the packs that you can buy for the wood panelling, you can buy them in a lot of hardware stores and you put the panelling on the bottom with the dado rail on top. You put the panelling on the bottom, wallpaper or paint the top or wallpaper or paint the panelling dark below and a light colour below. Huge, absolutely huge in the last year or two as well. So what's in this year? Some new items, 
are in, but a lot has been carried through from the last year or yes. two. And if you see, by, if you're looking at those pictures that are brought in today, grey is disappearing, isn't it? Yeah, and and a lot of dark colours coming in. And a lot of dark, moody yeah. colours coming in. Seems, do you know what I love as well as a feature? The ladder in the kitchen. In the, in the, the ladder in is, the... Is that a kitchen? It's, I would, I, I'd say it, it may be part of the kitchen we can't see in the yes. picture or it could be a room, a walk-in pantry off that, but it is gorgeous and it so a, works. As a feature, it's just And just you can see, it's, it's, I'm not sure if it's a tile or if it's wallpaper on yes. the walls, but it's stunning. Oh, it's just, just lovely. You'll put those up. Of course uh, so I will, so yeah, of course I will. Have a look. Yeah. Is this a good time to, to make your decisions now? So what I would say to people, if they're thinking of doing a job in their home, so that is getting your kitchen repainted, getting uh, your bathroom gutted, getting your kitchen gutted, knocking down a wall, thinking of doing something. Honestly, it is so busy out there. To, to line up the tradespeople. Mm, yeah. So I would say to somebody, if somebody rang me, it's going to take me, and they need a good few jobs done in their house, yeah. it's going to take me approximately to get to you. As soon as I can get you, I'll get you. Then it's three weeks for me to get the tradespeople to go to the house, to gather the prices, to give the client the price. Then they can decide what work they're doing in the house. And then I can say to them, well, we'll start with you on the 1st of April or we'll start with you on the 1st of March or we'll start with you in June. We're booked. Some of them are booked out until June or whatever. So that's the way it's going. So in order to get good tradespeople right. at a fair price and to be within your budget and know what you want, there's a timeline right. and also if you're going in you're buying uh, chairs or furniture or table and chairs or sweet furniture or anything or beds in the shop the stock isn't always there my friend right. because uh, shipping containers has gone so expensive now they're not shipping as often they're shipping less okay. Okay. often than you. before Alright if people want to talk to you Karen and yeah, get some advice can how can they do give that? Give me a call on 086 606 9009 that's 086 606 9009 Interior Concepts on Instagram Facebook and www.interiorconcepts.ie for my website. Alright Karen great to see you and thanks very much and, thank and, you. and you're going to put that up I'll put that up that when I get home. Can, can have a look alright thank you. Uh, we'll be right back. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Now, uh, one of our listeners was inquiring about the book that we were discussing on the programme yesterday. Yeah, it's called The Girl with Stars in Her Eyes. It's written by Eleanor O'Kelly Lynch and I would highly recommend it to you. It's a lovely, lovely uh, read and a most uh, unusual book indeed. We return now to the discussion on Ross Gray. It's been getting a huge amount of reaction here on the programme from our listeners and Ella joins me now. Ella, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. And good to talk to you today, uh, Ella. What are you making of uh, what's happening in Ross Gray? I, I think you were at the protest, weren't you? I was. I was at, I think it was the second night, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Um, I believe the social media has taken it completely out of proportion. Mm-hmm. I think the main concern for the Ross Gray people are their concern for their safety. There's women, there's men, they will not walk on their own. There's walking groups set up. Um... And another problem, not just Ross Gray people, but people in general in Ireland have, is 
the fact that they're getting government payments and like I was talking to one lady at the protest and she's terminally ill, she can't get illness benefits, she can't get disability. When there's perfectly healthy people coming in, able to work and they're getting the payments. So, and is that causing resentment, you think, then, Ella? Is that is that playing into people resenting those who are coming in, then? I do believe it definitely does cause resentment, yes. You, you made a point to Emma when you were talking to her that there wouldn't have been an issue about women and kids, but it was a case that people didn't know who was coming in. Is that, is that fair to say? It was. Um, the people of Rossgrade... Nobody knew if it was men coming in, women, children. Now, I do believe that it was women and children who have got off the bus. Um, however, the bus was drove around the back and anybody could have got off it. And do you find it hard to understand why the bus didn't go into the premises in the first place as opposed to trying to push women and very young, frightened children in past the protest? I do. I think it was very unfair on the young children. That was very unfair. Hmm. Were, were you there at the time of the arrival of the bus? I wasn't, but I know people that were there. Hmm. And what are they telling you, Ella? Um, they pretty much have the same opinion as myself. Hmm. Um... If Ross Gray were informed that this was happening and that it was women and children, it would not have escalated to what it has. Mm. And how do you feel at the way that Ross Gray is being portrayed at uh, the moment? I heard on a particular national radio station yesterday um, a discussion around Ross Gray and I thought that it was really unfortunate altogether the kind of commentary uh, about the people and the town and stuff. Um, does that concern you? It does. It's not a reflection on the people in Ross Grey. It's not. They're lovely people. It's a lovely area. They're just genuine people concerned for the safety of children, themselves, the elderly, and I don't believe Ross Grey has the facilities to take in the numbers that they are. And I'm not sure if you got a chance to hear Councillor Michael Smith, who spoke to me at the very top of the programme, and I know Jackie Cahill, uh, the TD, is across this as well, this notion of turning in the old hotel in the middle of the town, the Pathé Hotel as it was, um, into a kind of a community hotel. Would that help the situation? I don't believe it would. If anything, um, they could have put these immigrants, asylum seekers in that and kept the racket hall for the local people and kept the business running as normal. Mm. And if they're going to do that, the question is when? When are the people going to have that facility? Mm. Well, I asked Michael Smith that uh, this morning and he, he couldn't give me a definitive answer because it, my understanding is that agreement is just in principle. So... I'm not, I'm not sure about a timeline uh, where that is uh, concerned. But in the meantime, do you think the protest will continue on, Ella? Um, I do believe it will continue on. Yeah. I do. All right, Ella, thank you for your time this morning. Thank you and good morning to you. That's uh, Ella speaking to us there. Let's go to uh, to Dennis, who's with me. Now, Dennis, good morning to you. 
Good morning, Fran. How are you doing? I'm very well and good to talk to you, Dennis. You have some concerns about misinformation and disinformation and the like where um, immigration is concerned. Well, yeah. Well, really what I'm I'm home to do is to kind of give people a place, if if you want, where they can go and and get, get maybe backup and get a strategy that when they're faced with a situation like Ros Grey has been where the hard right, for example, tried to come in and I want to pay compliment to the people of Rosgrave. They dealt with that very quickly. I believe the guards yeah. were also involved. But um, it's, it's, it's the, over the last 18 months, as we know, there have been issues like this, some of them far more serious with the violence in mm. places like Shingless, Wallymon, mm. uh, in Fermoy as well. And each one of those has now, shall we say, calmed down and gone back and the, the people who have come in are beginning to integrate into the community. But initially, because the right was in, it, you know, it, it could have taken a very nasty turn. But often, and Ros Gray is probably in this situation now, people who are faced with this for the first time don't know, you know, what to do or how to take it on. Yes. And Ros Gray, now I know, I've heard her last week, and I know they're still there, and they may need to decide when, you know, when, is, when have they achieved sufficient to allow them not to continue with the picket because once they're there and continue, there still are possibilities for the right to come in. They, that's what they do. They have a lot of money. But the, the, the organisation I'm talking about, and by the way, just at the start, I'm not affiliated with them or I haven't had to use them, but I've just done a lot of research on this. Okay. It's called Hope and Hope and Courage. And uh, the website is hopeandcourage.ie, but they can be also find found on Facebook. But what they've done is they've looked at... You know, these incidents that I have referred to and others over the last 18 months and how they started and what the outcome was in the end. And they kind of have a, I won't call it a handbook, but they have a, a guide to how people should approach this in the future in order to mitigate the worst aspects of, you know, what we've seen before, what, what could have happened in our break. Um, they're, they're basically, um, not as a co-op, but a kind of coming together of people who have Work in with community associations before it was the country. Pardon? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, no, I'm, I'm I'm just listening very carefully to what you're saying to me. And who is who is funding this? Uh, this uh, they, they are an NGO, as far as I know, and um, and, yeah. and they they have they get some money from various. I think they get somebody like from the Rowntree Foundation, that was the charity foundation. So they, but they're not. They're not composed of any particular group. They're, they're people who have been working in community. I think one of them is a professor in Minute mm. who lectures in sociology and, you know, um, conflicts and things like that. So they have quite a lot of backing, but they, they came together, I think, over the last year and a half or so to try and give some backing to people, particularly yeah. in small areas who haven't experienced this before. And they've kind of given a, a, a program, if you like, for people how to deal, first of all, with the right and then how to move on and get people behind them in a more positive way. Yeah, the, the, the mission statement, I've, I've just put it up on the screen here in, in, in front of me, Dennis, and the mission yeah. statement appears to be supporting and empowering communities to take action against hate, bigotry and extremism. Yes, mm. exactly. And that's they, they, the, the cases that are already has experience with that and where I think they have intervened and some of them have now as, as I've alluded to already have come out of that and are now in a better place mm. now hopefully that won't happen in Ross Ray but I think for even for the future and 
it's important that people know that, you know, they're not going to be alone. There are people who've gone through this now, and they, they have key areas and key points which they recommend, but mm-hmm. they, even, they can even be contacted through email, you know, if people quickly need help. And they can, you know, yeah. they may have and, contact in different and, and that's great. And I know that you're telling us about this with a very good heart. I, However, my issue would be, certainly my understanding of a lot of the people I've spoken to in Rosgrave, there's no issues of hate or bigotry or extremism with them. They seem to have genuine concerns about um, a community that is already deprived. So it's coming from a place of community, a place of solidarity with each other and the like, Dennis, if you know what I mean. Yes, yes, and I, I, I fully appreciate that. Um, it, and that, that's very good. I mean, I can understand why people would be. But, for example, they, th- there's a term that they use called the Overton window, and that's yes, where, you yes. know, racist tropes are being used normally by the far right, and thankfully most of the mainstream here haven't used them. But one of, our, one of the TDs locally now has started to use these racist tropes and if they become in the normal conversation, then you're in a whole different volume. Most of the public representatives have behaved very well and have tried to get, you know, a solution to the problem. But we have to be alert. We have to be alert the whole time. But uh, yeah, you are totally right. Mm. I understand. Ross Gray has had, has, you know, as we said, a lot of people have moved in on the last part. It's a small community, and they are worried about services. Yeah. And these are all very valid issues. But I think even uh, if they go into the handbook and go in, I think it's about 60 pages, because, you know, it explains how they manage to move on from it as well, you know, right. and they can actually give advice on and, that And too. it's taking from other people's experience. Is that what you're saying to me, Dennis? Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, taking from other In other words, they start on, say, on a bad foot because the right had moved in and they, they moved out and they moved on. And now all those places, as far as I know, are much more integrated and much calmer. And presumably that has come about because of the work of people like this. And obviously people are working away in the community as well. Mm. But it's, it's important that I think communities are aware that, you know, you don't have to do it on your own. And even if it's even if it's not a question of the right moving in, they're just to look for help and it can guide you in the way that what you want to do or what you want to achieve. Because mm. compromise would probably be necessary as well in the case of Ross Gray or anywhere because... Um, Obviously, the hotel is now there. They've entered the contract. But what would the people in the area accept as being not necessarily a victory, but something that they could say, well, we don't need to be here anymore. Right. Uh, what, what is it that... And I will have a look more closely at that website, and thank you for highlighting it uh, for me. It's called the Hope and Courage Collective. What is it that you're hearing from politicians that's offending you, certain politicians? What, what is it that they're doing exactly? They're referring to, like, you know, the, the, the type of language that the right would use, um, you know, kind of denigrating immigrants, talking to them about transponders was used not too long ago. Um, you know, um, I think that one of the independent TVs here, even at the weekend, it's, it's, there was a, uh, a video of him making a speech, and that speech was more something like you would hear from a person agitating on the right rather than from a TD elected to represent people. In other words, like terms like um, spongers, um, you know, coming in here about draft dodgers, abiding war, um, you know, people, or oh, they're, they're going to steal your children. Um, you know, they're, they're coming here from, they're all here to, to, to take our welfare and all this. This type of language is creeping in a little bit 
Mm. And that can be very dangerous, I think, because that's what's happened in Britain with the Tory party. They're now in tearing themselves apart because they've allowed this kind of language to seep in. And we know what's happened in Britain. I mean, you know, mm. rickets, that, that terrible disease in the 19th century is now absolutely right in Britain. As You know, the whole country is collapsing around and they're still fighting over, you know, whether they should let migrants in or not. So you'd just be afraid that this type of thing would happen. And um, just to be alert, but really that's what I'm trying to say, that all these things, most people should be able to manage them, but sometimes you can be overwhelmed. And, and um, as somebody who, who sounds to me like a very... Uh, a, a guy with a great amount of empathy and the like. Were you were you saddened to see what happened with the the guardie in in Ross Gray, That that was necessary, uh, as well. Some people might have deemed it necessary. Did that sadden you, Dennis? It, it did. Um, I I when I saw what happened outside Leinster House there uh, last year, I felt that you know it had come to a situation where maybe they needed to you know to get a little bit heavier, and I'm not normally in favour of, of that type of thing. But with the with the right, it's very difficult thing to call because they thrive on, you know, police using violence against them. And we saw what happened then after Parnell Square when, when they were caught unawares. So I think what they're trying to do was get the balance. It was sad to see it happen, but I think it was, again, the, the, those fringes of the right involved, I think, at that stage. And even some of the footage put up was actually from... RNTV, I think that's what it's called, which is actually funded by one of the right-wing organisations. So the, the way the gallery handled it, they, seemed, they said they had this flat cap thing, which basically meant they, weren't, you know, they didn't have batons and they didn't have helmets. So it was a soft approach, relatively so. But I mean, okay. if you go back to the years, you, you know, they, they would often have riot squads. We've been out in the 70s and 80s, you know, when, when the North was in turmoil. Yeah. So well, it was, well it, it, look, we, we like to provide a platform for all sorts of diverse opinion on the programme, Dennis, and uh, we appreciate you coming on with us today. And again, that website that you're encouraging people to have a look at is called Hope and Courage Collective. Good to talk to you today, Dennis. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank bye you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know, that's uh, Dennis. That's it for me. Emma produced, Ali looked after her content and brought us a, a wonderful piece from Upper Church uh, today as part of our uh, village tour. I will talk to you tomorrow. Stephen's on the way. Look after yourselves, won't you? Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.